Let us go right now to the ring. The following podcast is scheduled for one episode and is our vantage point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. I wasn't quite able to see it from my vantage point. fans and welcome to a very special edition of our vantage point the retro wrestling podcast i am joe Murata. that is michael quinn and this is episode number 88 or as we might say quinn the two fat ladies two fat ladies you might notice a slightly different a slightly different theme song here very slight very slight and a little bit of different voices there in the intro we are here to romp you through the world of retro wrestling and a bit of international flavor we'll explain that very shortly so anyway before we get to any of our great topics i do want to remind you guys to reach us on twitter at ovp podcast you can follow us if you have yet to do that go ahead and do that you can also email us at ovp podcast at gmail.com that is ovp podcast at gmail.com but quinn the best place to talk to you to talk to me and to talk to a bunch of other retro wrestling fans is our facebook group Yes, the Facebook group over at that international website known as Facebook. <laughs> yes. uh, it's a great place where you can meet the friends who, yes. who like wrestling. And to find our group specifically, you type in the search bar, our vantage point dash retro wrestling podcast, and you're there. You just hit join. And then we, you know, get the message and we are like, hey, you're in. Yeah. So we let anybody and we don't care. There's so many hijinks going on at would, all times. We want more fun. Would you say we're the Ellis Island of Facebook groups? Possibly. Possibly. Okay, that's good. I don't know what the international version of Ellis Island is, but we're that also. Okay. We're on both sides of the pond. Both sides of the pond there. We'll have someone very special in a minute here from the other side of the pond. I also want to mention a few friends of the show that you could check out after you listen to this one. There is the wrestling podcast about nothing, W-P-A-N, and that is hosted by two guys that have actually worked in the wrestling business. One of them is currently a wrestler, and his name is the Kingpin Brian Malonis, he's working for ROH and other uh, areas of the New England Mat Wars, Quinn. Yes, the Mat Wars of New England, <laughs> yes. not to be confused with England. <laughs> right, exactly. And he is joined each and every week by an independent wrestling referee that is currently on an extended hiatus, Mean Mike Crockett. And they have a great show. They take their unique perspective as guys that have worked in the business. They do a little retro, a little current, maybe a little uh, reminiscing of their own memories of the business. That is the wrestling podcast about nothing, WPAN. Another show, Quinn, I know you're a big fan of it and so am I, is Greetings from Allentown, G.F. Allentown. Yes, G.F. Allentown, uh, where you can go into the mind of Peter Winston on a weekly basis and uh, hear about his memories of ECW and all sorts of other promotions. And of Uh, course, Lowell, Massachusetts. Lowell, Massachusetts, the World Wrestling Federation. Yes. College. (laughs) Just college. (laughs) His cat. Uh, Each and every week, Pete will take you through a retro wrestling show. But under that guise, under that ruse, you'll get an interworking of pop culture and sports references and some personal anecdotes from the life of one Peter Winson. That is GF Allentown. Greetings from Allentown. Check that one out. Another show, a great show. It's been on a long time, is Booking the Territory with Mike Mills. They handle, in a very uh, less professional, as they say, and less classy way, the wrestling from south of the Mason-Dixon line you might say quinn they are the southern version of our vantage point i've heard that yeah i've heard uh, that they're they're very southern um <laughs> we're very northern yes we are so if you want the polar opposite of us <laughs> yes. you can get that 
over at BookingTheTerritory.com. Uh, is that their site? It might be. I'm not yeah. sure. Okay. But you can go check out BookingTheTerritory. Something like that. Dot foot, maybe. Yeah. And uh, we'll have some information on our Patreon a little bit later if you wish to donate. That's Patreon.com slash OVP podcast if you want to donate. But right now, I think it's about time that we bring in someone that has been a supporter of the show, a friend of the show, a fan of the show for a very long time. He's a great guy. You might know him from a back in the day, I'll say diplomatically on the internet. He is a great, great man and a great friend of the show. I want you to welcome all the way from jolly old England, Mr. Richard Land. How you doing there, mate? Hello there, lads. <laughs> How are we doing today? We're doing well. How you doing, Richie? Glad to finally have you on a real show He's here. finally here. I made it to the big time. You are. You are big time, Richard. I'm chuffed to be here. You're what? I don't know what that means. Chuffed. That's not a word. Shift. Shift. Check, check the dictionary. <laughs> the what? <laughs> the dictionary. No, no dictionary. Come on now, Joseph. <laughs> so, Richard, uh, you're here specifically on episode number 88, because from what I understand, 88 is a uh, bingo term over there on your side of the pond. Supposedly, in, when you play the bingo, if, if they call 88, they call the two fat ladies. <laughs> two fat ladies. Yes, and we remember that from Bingo Break. Yes, that's right. I remember the bingo caller now. Next, it's two fat ladies, 88. Oh, here you are, mate. I would. What a time that was. Yeah, wasn't it a time? No. Well, speaking of a time, now the three of us can all conspire here. Because I don't know if you've been following along, fans, but Quinn and I decided to get a new side job as independent wrestling investigators. And that's where we tackle the hard-hitting mysteries and unsolved cases in the world. And this week, we have a special guest uh, we have pacer, a, a I guess. A special uh, constable with yeah, us, the I suppose. constable, yeah. <laughs> yes. And uh, the three of us are going to tackle the case. So this is a little segment we call on the case. They're on the case. On the case. They're on the case. You're the detective now, kid. And nothing's stopping you. There's justice to be served. So serve it. The year was 1988. In the spring and summer, the WWF hired two new young wrestlers, Terry Taylor and Kurt Hennig. These two wrestlers had a match in the summer of 1988 at WrestleFest. And shortly thereafter, one of them adopted the gimmick of Mr. Perfect, that being Kurt Henning. The other, the Red Rooster, Terry Taylor. For years and years afterwards, there was a debate that this match was a tryout to see which wrestler would get the Mr. Perfect gimmick and which wrestler would get the Red Rooster gimmick. This is something that fans have speculated on for a very long time, but it remains an unsolved case. Quinn, Richard, and myself decided to get on the case. So this one, mm, I... Yes always thought of as truth for some weird reason. Did you really? It just seems plausible. I don't know why. Like, here's these two guys, right? They're kind of, like, at the same level. Same size. Yeah, I mean, Terry Taylor was a um, competent wrestler. Competent <laughs> mid-card wrestler in the Crockett territories. Yes, he, he was. National heavyweight champion. I know he had some... <laughs> Who cares? What, what is your problem with the national heavyweight title? I don't understand. I like it. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, he was at the same level. Kurt Hedig in the AWA was the champion, but, I mean, that's not saying much. That's basically he, being the national yeah, heavyweight champion. Yeah, that's basically champion. being the... National heavyweight champion, <laughs> right. right? So here you got that this, and here you got two guys very similar yeah. taking on each other mm -hmm. in a match before they have any gimmicks mm -hmm. whatsoever. Correct. I understand that the outcomes are predetermined. What? But at the same time, there's tryout matches. It's it's totally plausible that depending on performance, who got over, 
whether it be heel or face, what they were. Sure. Who did better. Who impressed the brass the most. Whatever they were tasked to do, who did it better. Okay. And is how they decided to hand out the Mr. Perfect gimmick. All right. That's one side of the coin. Let's go to the side of the uh, pence over here. Richard, what do you think? (laughs) Well, Teddy Taylor. Was he ever good? Was (laughs) Was he ever close to perfect? Could he have ever? Uh, no. He was terrific. He was pretty terrific. <laughs> he was a made man as well. Yeah, Yes, he was. A tailor-made yeah. man. Ew! What do you think of the whole idea, though, Richie, that two guys that were already signed would now be having a tryout for a gimmick? I think it's plausible, but were they trying out for the other gimmick as, as well? The, the lo- rooster. The loser would be the rooster. Well, is a fair question. Why was the Red Rooster even a gimmick to begin with? I don't know! <laughs> In all seriousness. I personally, Joe, think that the Rooster thing was something they came up with after when they didn't know. Like, <laughs> but they, like it's like it's not even like they were like, and if you suck, you're the Rooster. It's like, it's why are like, we going to hire a guy and pay him to well, have a stupid gimmick? They didn't. They just didn't know what else to do with him. Just call him Terry Taylor. Maybe they, not name him after a cock. Do you have cock? Remember cock? Joe, Richard, you know they always do this. Richard? Both of you know this. Yes. Infant Man has a thing about stuff like that. About, about <laughs> penile-themed gimmickry? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Just a tad, maybe. Yeah. I just, think, I just think it's interesting that they already clearly knew what they were getting with both guys, right? They didn't sign them not knowing who they were. Mm-hmm. So why wait? until the two of them wrestle to determine who's going to get a specific gimmick. I've never heard of that happening. Maybe because they just they thought that both could take on the same gimmick. I, I don't know. I, a lot of people think this is true, though, because of the, the way the timing and everything shaked out. I just don't think it's the way they've ever done things, where they've said, well, we have these two gimmicks, or this one gimmick in mind. Let's have these two guys that we've already signed. We already know who they are. Let's have them wrestle, and then we'll decide. Doesn't that just seem weird to you, knowing the way they did business? I don't think so, because they're they're always dangling a carrot in front of these guys. The dangly ones? Yeah, the dangly ones. Dangly ones. Okay, let me ask it this way, first to Richard. Was there any way that the Red Rooster gimmick would have ever worked. Well, when he started as a heel, didn't he, with Bobby the Brain, but for like a month, and then he sort of dumped him straight away. But it was never going to work with that stupid red thing in his hair and strut into the ring, and how could you ever take the Red Rooster serious? I agree. There's a lot of things going on in the World Wrestling Federation right now. And yes, the Red Rooster wants to get his claw right in the middle of it. Who cares? I think Bruce Pritchard, this might shock you, defends this gimmick. Why? Because he's Bruce Pritchard. He probably came up with it. He probably yeah. did. He's like, no, no, it's not. It's not that he's an actual rooster. He just struts his stuff. He's arrogant. So we're he's a cock. You know, mm-hmm. we call him the Red Rooster. He's like a fucking cocky little rooster. Let's make him the cock of the walk. Let's make him the fucking rooster. That sounds dumb. I've heard I've heard him defend like the, the new ECW before. So he, he defends <laughs> any poultry based gimmick. Yeah, because he also <laughs> defends the gobbledygooker. He's, he so, defends anything he had his fingers on. I think. Yeah. So I'm throwing his opinion out the window here. But clearly, gentlemen, 
Kurt Hennig was made to be Mr. Perfect. How could they consider? How could you say that, though? Because of the way he wrestles, because of the way he carries himself. Terry Taylor has mid-carter written all over him. Like, literally, it might be on his tights somewhere. <laughs> I would argue that Terry Taylor actually fits the perfect mold Get better. Get out of here. Okay, let's Let hear me, it. He fights a more rigid and, like, exactly by the book style. Mr. Perfect is a big overseller. You know, a big goof when he when he gets hit in the face with a punch. Ah, uh, yes, but that's to draw the contrast between the heel perfection and the way he reacts to being blemished, kind of like Narcus Prince and Super Punch Out. Narcus Prince, what a <laughs> get out of here! Come on, I'm just saying. I but think that that's fair. I, I'm just saying. I I think I think Terry Taylor could have pulled it off. I mean, as the tailor made man, he as a heel, it's not like he was like the worst heel I ever no, saw. No, and you're looking at back at the Mister Perfect gimmick with like rose colored glasses because you know hindsight what it became. In also, 1988, they didn't know that. I also know that they knew what they were getting with each guy, right? Right, don't you think? Like, you yeah, think they, they, they were, knew they were getting good wrestlers. But you don't think Kurt Hennig's talent and charisma stood out already before 88 above Terry Taylor? I don't know. After watching that Scott Hall, Mr. Perfect thing, whatever, at a Well, he's a face AWA, That was terrible. Yeah, but you could also look at a lot of terrible Terry Taylor stuff, too, I'm sure. Richard, what do you think? Was it clear who was more talented, or does Quinn have a good point here? Maybe it was a toss-up at that point. No, I think it was clear. I don't think Taylor could have pull off those vignettes that Kurt Hennig had to do. That's true. I don't think he had the charisma at all. That's true. It wouldn't have been believable. I agree with you there. And from what I understand, and this is what they say on the perfect DVD, and those are usually fluffy, you I know, a lot of these DVDs, that, stuff, yeah. that when Vince had his meeting with uh, Kurt Hennig, that it was like, well, what are you good at? And he's like, I'm good at everything. And that's where they came up with Mr. Perfect. But hmm. that could just be a, like, Revisionist a retcon. history. Yeah, I wouldn't put that past them. What if they both said in. the same thing? They're like, <laughs> well, damn, pal, we'll have a match at well, WrestleFest. What if Terry Taylor was like, well, I'm pretty terrific at a lot of things. And then yeah. <laughs> they kept that in mind for yeah. later. I just, I feel bad for Terry Taylor that he was saddled with that gimmick, though, because the name alone is horrible. He's a he's a victim of like circumstances his entire career to me. He is because between that and the York Foundation and then just like his bland like imitation Stan Lane version in like 92 93 where he was terrific Terry Taylor. I what always, do you do with that? I always thought that his talents in the ring got him gimmicks that were terrible because the idea was is that well he's so good in the ring that he'll be able to fix this but they were but, wrong saying he's so good in the ring i mean he was okay in the ring right but he he had you know he had talents to the point where they made him like a writer and all this stuff later on like a, a an agent was a booker or whatever it, I, I really don't know i mean he isn't he still involved <laughs> in this somehow what is he a trainer in NXT or something now? Is he? I think, I think so. so. Yeah, and teaching people to strut. <laughs> I mean, like honestly, he's not that good. He's done a lot of roles in his career. To be fair to him, <laughs> he has done a lot of roles. Yeah. That's true. You're right. You're right. I'll give you that. He he takes quite a peck at things. But <laughs> I would <laughs> look my my official opinion here, and I want to I want you guys to each present your final you know opinions. Obviously, my official opinion is this: is that in in these two guys you had very comparable wrestlers at the time in 88 no question about it and i'll give you that quinn it's they're very similar yeah in terms of size look build ability but i think that kurt hennig had the more natural athletic ability he had the more natural charisma and i think that they did the mr perfect gimmick with him in mind and this whole thing is because it was coincidental that they started at the same time 
And that's why people turned it into, well, it was a tryout match to see who would get the gimmick. That's my official opinion, is that they signed him knowing what they were getting. They Maybe they did pull the Red Rooster shit out of their ass for Terry Taylor. That totally was later. Yeah. There's no way. Right. It like, wasn't like the lo- like who we like less is going to get the Red Rooster. It was just like, the winner's going to get perfect. That's it. I don't know if that's true, but I can see why that's plausible. Richard, what's your actual verdict on this one? Yeah, I'm with you, Diola. There's no way... The the new Kurt Hennig, Kurt Hennig was going to be Mr. Perfect, and Terry yeah. Taylor was just, I don't know. I mean, Vince had experience with, he, he probably watched Kurt Hennig before, and it wouldn't surprise me if he'd never watched Terry Taylor, just heard <laughs> about him. Yeah, that I could see. Because Vince had, I mean, technically, Kurt Hennig worked for them, what, in 82? Yeah, around there. For a yeah, while there? Yeah. I think, yeah, for a little bit. So Vince Jr. was obviously around, even if it was before he took over. So he was he was familiar with Kurt Hennig, and to be you know a champion of the Big Three at the time when it was still semi, Big Two and a half, maybe I would call it, yeah. AWA was still okay during that period of time. They knew who he was. I'm not saying they didn't know necessarily who Taylor was. But I really think that they had that gimmick with Kurt Hennig in mind. But Quinn, what, what do you think? Are you holding fast to the tryout theory? I just don't see like why it couldn't be true. Like I, I really don't. I don't can't see beyond like it makes sense that maybe you look at two guys and you say have a match, and maybe it wasn't even like maybe it was just you know how we think of it as this big myth and like it's so big. Maybe it's just business as usual. They throw out guys without gimmicks, and I don't see why it couldn't have happened. I don't see why it couldn't like, have happened it, either. No, I, just see them have and see. Okay, uh, you know, it's not that far fetched. Maybe we'll give it to one of these two guys, and they're like, "Well, that we like what that guy did better." And that, so you that, really? Like, I, I don't think it's like I don't think it was some big locker room. Like <laughs> they knew, right? Right. They probably didn't even know. <laughs> right. I'm just saying. I think there there might be a little bit of truth and a little bit of falsehoods. Yeah. But, the truth lies somewhere in between. But you think, all right, so to put it simply, you think they decided. Probably on, between those two. On Kurt Hennig or Terry Taylor based on that match, though. I, that's the thing that I think is, you know. It maybe, might not have been because of a match. Maybe because of one match. But I, I okay. there must be a little bit of truth that it must must have been between the two guys. I don't know. I mean, again, I after like discussing it, it it makes sense to me. I don't think one match would be the deciding factor or anything. It's plausible that it had something to do with the two of them. I personally think Terry Taylor just happened to be there and face Kurt Hennig, and that's where the myth got started. And Richard, it sounds like you're in that same boat as well. But folks, we want your vantage point, so let us know what you think. Did they actually have this match as a test to see who would make a better Mr. Perfect? Is it completely coincidental and they just happened to get hired around the same time and had separate gimmicks? Or is it maybe a little mix of both? Maybe like Quincy, maybe it was decided, but it wasn't a whole big thing, and they just decided after that match at some point, you know what, let's put this Mr. Perfect gimmick on this Kurt Hennig guy and we'll figure something out for Terry Taylor, which seems to be the (laughs) Terry status quo (laughs) Taylor. But anyway, <laughs> when we return, we'll have a very two fat ladies, Mount Rushmore, Death Valley, <laughs> and that's coming up right after this. You've seen Mr. Perfect in a lot of different situations, and all these situations have been physical. Well, today we're playing a simple game of chess, and for the common man, a mind game, so to say, but for Mr. Perfect, Just another day in a perfect light. See, from head to toe and in the mind, I am absolutely perfect. And in the game of chess, such as the game of life, by the way, checkmate, I am absolutely perfect. And now you know why they call me Mr. Perfect. (laughs) 
Race to Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair to The Rock, Sting to Steve Austin. You're listening to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast. And welcome back, wrestling fans, to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast here on episode number 88, Orquin. Two fat ladies. Two fat ladies here on July 2nd, 2018. And of course, our good friend from the other side of the pond, Richard Land, is still with us. Hello there, Richard. Hello there. I'm still here. You're still there. Okay, good. So before we get into our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley, we wanted to quickly mention our Patreon, which as we talked about last week, we're changing the format of it. It is official now. It's July. It's all changed around. So the $1 tier remains the same. Right. And that is the live, raw video recording of the making of every single weekly episode. So you can see whatever the hell Quinn's drinking today, Quinn, we have... McDonald's cup of Coke. Now, what'd you get from McDonald's? Uh, just some nuggets. Just some nuggies? Just some nuggies. Ten-piece nuggie? With the signature sauce. Oh, what? I, I, I like that better. What now. exactly is that? It's basically like the Big Mac sauce. Just, oh, really? Yeah, just like in a you tub. You slather your <laughs> nuggies in that? Yeah, it's very good. It's a little <laughs> thicker, but okay. it's very good. Okay, so that's the $1 tier, though. You get to see that. I'm wearing my proud New York Yankee shirt right now. You right. get to see all sorts of goodies like that. And I'm it, wearing a black shirt like I always do. Very surprising. Yeah. Maybe if Quinn spills a soda, you know, you can get a sneak peek of that. Oh, um, almost happened last yeah, week. Yeah, that did almost happen last week. <laughs> For $2, though, $2 a month, you not only get that raw dump, but now every two weeks, you get a full Rushmore and Death Valley extra podcast. Yes. Little whatevers basically they're yes. they're all going to be all over the place yep your um, a suggestions. lot of them are the suggestions with a couple that we're going to slip in there mm-hmm. um but these are going to be like the wild and crazy ones yes. that, that might have been on the cutting room floor there you, you know go. Kind, that kind of thing it's a good way to look at it so that's a 45 50 minute podcast every two weeks for the two dollar tier and then for the three dollar tier not only do you get the raw footage not only do you get the bi-weekly rushmore podcast but on the alternating weeks you're going to get two now WWF 1982 live reviews. That's where Quinn and I live watch on video 1982 WWF Championship Wrestling, sometimes All-Star Wrestling. We've been doing it. We're all the way up to June of 82 right now. Yeah, it might start turning into 1983. Finally, we'll finally get there. Maybe it'll be a little bit better. (laughs) So that's patreon.com slash OVP podcast. That's if you wish to donate. It has nothing to do with this current show. Nothing about our weekly free Monday show will ever change. It's just a little way. If you want to give back, we're going to give you even more. Richard, you have to be a patron what do you well, give us a little testimonial tell the fans uh, your patron experience i've been a patron since probably day one i think and there's just so much entertaining content there i mean all the previous stuff you can get the old commentaries now the in the archives i suppose <laughs> yes but the live reviews are my favorite and now that we're getting more of them that's even better Oh, yeah. I think so. They're they're actually my favorite thing to do, probably. They're probably the most fun to record. They're the yeah. most fun to record. So uh, we'll, we'll give you a few bob for yeah, that, for that part of there, Richard. A few bob. <laughs> a few bob, yeah. Richard was on one of the most recent ones. Yes, that's a free one, a free actually, one, on YouTube. Yeah. You can also check us out on YouTube, folks. Our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast on YouTube. There's a bunch of stuff on there. I just put up a studio tour the other day. Yeah, and there's also the other live reviews that we did before, so you can kind of see before you buy. Yes, exactly. Uh, Try before you buy. Try before you buy, yeah. (laughs) So thank you, Richard, for the little uh, shout-out there. Enough uh, jabberwocky. Let's get to (laughs) Mount Rushmore and Death Valley. This is where each week we have put, and we will continue to put, four of the best of something. It could be anything onto Mount Rushmore, and four of the worst go down into the desert of Death Valley. This one was a collaboration between the two of us and Richard Land to come up with this topic, and and it is the Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of WWF 
WWF 1988. Ah, WWF Two Fat Ladies. Yes, Two Fat Ladies WWF Edition. All right. So obviously, 1988 was a big year in terms of business, in terms of being a pop culture phenomenon for the World Wrestling Federation. They did some great angles that year. One, mm-hmm. obviously, is going to make Rushmore. We know right. that. But, I mean, that was still the year of uh, WWF riding the wave that they had started about a year or two earlier, maybe even since WrestleMania one. And there's so much great stuff, even though it's not a year known for its wrestling quality. I would say so. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but there's still a lot of interesting stuff that goes on there. It's very cartoony fun, but there's just these little nuggets of goodness and a whole hell of a lot of bad stuff. So you know what, Richard, you're the guest here. Why don't you start us off? What's one of the best things from 1988 WWF? Okay, so you talk about the match quality not being good, but I'm going to pick it just one match just to start. It was from the Survivor Series. Oh. A 10-team tag team match. Yes. That is good. It's awesome. I watched it back the other day just to get a feel for it again. Dedicated, man. Yes. (laughs) Even though it has a couple of things that don't make sense, like why would Mr. Food you turn on his champions? (laughs) horrible. I never understand that. Powers of pain. (laughs) (laughs) Fuji saying, I'm the boss! Fuji hit him with the cane! Did you see that, Gorilla? Oh, look at that! Rams him again with it! And it has the conquistadors for 45 minutes in a match. So you, you realize this is the Rushmore we're doing, Richard. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just saying it has a couple of things like, what are they doing? But yes. besides all that, it's I think it's the best match of the entire year easily. Really? Yeah, That's I mean, interesting. It yeah. is very good. It's notable for having the last, uh, I think, the last appearance of the British Bulldogs, unless I'm mistaken. That's correct, yes. Dynamite has the mustache for the only time. <laughs> he looks like shit. <laughs> he looks like he doesn't care. They keep them away from the Rougeos. I know that. They do a little spot together at the beginning. But Very beginning, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I have a question. Um, would you say that that was better than the 1987 version with 7,000 people on the side as well? I like that one too. They're both really good, to be honest. They are. I might like the 87 version even better. The I, one with the Heart Foundation and yeah, all them. I think they're interesting matches just because of the amount of people on the apron. It's I know that so sounds cool. like a weird thing but no but it's so cool that i think on one of them maybe it's both years they have a crane camera so you can see <laughs> there's yeah. no other choice yeah it's like awesome. you can't see i i can't imagine being live for that bullshit because <laughs> yeah you can't like, see shit you, if you're like you ringside looking at? you're like, just looking at like haku's ass the whole time yeah, or it's like you're, whoever. Well, i'm on the wrong side of the ring <laughs> whoops you know yeah i know well richard that's a good first pick quinn let's throw to you you want to throw one on the table there but I'd have to say the uh, formation of the Mega Powers and, you know, all the Macho Man stuff, the Mega Powers arc. Right. Yeah. I, I would call it that. And Starting with uh, the WrestleMania 4 Savages win. I cannot believe Hogan would stoop that low. A flying elbow. Punch the leg. It's over. And I know there was, well, they, they had some interaction prior, right? They did, but not as much. It really became like full force starting at WrestleMania 4. Right. I would say that a lot of people remember that year based off of that arc. And it was year long. Yeah. And it also, it kind of, to me, established what a face Randy Savage should look like. Mm-hmm. Um, this, this reverence for Miss Elizabeth. He's grown from a, a narcissistic, uh, I take advantage of my girlfriend and blah, blah, blah. Slightly less narcissistic. Yeah, to to slightly less narcissistic. (laughs) He wouldn't come full circle, but the pieces were there 
for the the kind of macho man that would be later on where it's like he's now a true macho man yes. you know instead of he's a man he's not a he's not some guy a scoundrel that you a know scoundrel takes, a scallywag before his name was <laughs> ironic was it i always thought it was because he, he isn't macho he hides behind a woman that's true. Like, like that's I, true. His name was ironic, but now he's like he's grown into what he is. Yeah, it's a great it's a great run. I love the WrestleMania four run. Not that the matches are good, but I love that he got a big moment there. Obviously, Hogan and his red pants were standing right behind that moment. <laughs> I know. I mean, and then, <laughs> it was all part of the storyline. I mean, everything down to Hogan coming in, hitting him with the chair, and then I always remember him coming in with the pillow with the belt on it and dropping it. And he's just, he does try to put a damper on it, but overall I think Savage is a big enough star that he can sustain Hogan's stupidness. And them being as a team yeah. is awesome. Thank God, Macho Brother, I got the Mega Power Psycon going in the 11th hour of this thing. Because it makes me realize just how large that is. I would say it's one of the first times, maybe the first time since Hogan's big run, where now Hogan's not champion, but you have someone that it really just felt like this guy, Randy Savage, was in the right place. Like he had the business to be able to carry the title right. now. He didn't seem like, like later with the Ultimate Warrior, where it was a big letdown. Right. It didn't seem like a letdown with Randy Savage. Like it fit. He was okay. Right. Richard, what do you think about the whole Randy Savage Mega Powers arc of 88? I think it's probably one of the best feuds they've ever done like it was a slow build from mania 4 to mania 5 led to the mega powers exploding and just all the little bits throughout the year, like summer slam survivor series there were just little teasers before the big heelton which i know was 89 but most of it's in 88 yeah most of it is two fat ladies yep two fat ladies <laughs> yeah i think it's it's one of the best uh long-term story arcs they had ever done to that point yeah and um and have ever done i don't know if we want to uh carve this out of it but um i think SummerSlam 88 as a whole is a great show yeah it's and, okay and might be another nominee i really like it well I, state your case for it it's got an energy that show it that, does that is just very exciting it's always rewatchable there's a lot of fun matches at it i mean what stands out to me is the main event though and it's part of the arc it's the whole yeah. mega powers finally in a big match against big opponents no pun intended andre the giant yeah. <laughs> i mean and and the million dollar man yeah you know you got virgil there but then you got miss elizabeth in the other corner yeah. and she uses the secret weapon she and freezes take, them <laughs> and takes off her skirt they're just like <laughs> but i actually to be honest with you that is actually like very shocking if you're watching it in order because miss elizabeth she's not was, like that was put yeah portrayed not um as sexy no, she was portrayed classy. as like classy yeah. and like innocent so yeah. for this to happen was like, whoa, like, this is crazy. Don't you think they foreshadowed that guy's a little too much with her? Like, they're like, we got a secret weapon. Yeah, we got a secret weapon here. And she's always like blowing kisses to the camera the yeah, whole time. But she, she doesn't act like that. Listen, I, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't think it was going to go that far. I didn't think she was going <laughs> to rip her dress off. I mean, geez. <laughs> geez Louise. Yeah. Oh, by golly. I don't know. What about you, Richard? Did, did that take you by surprise when you first saw that? It's very revealing for 1988, but yeah. I don't think it should have distracted them that much. <laughs> right. Well, maybe maybe, maybe she took a, a top off as well. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, Jeez. standards Whoa. and practices yeah. here. Uh, I think I think it's great, but I'm going to give you guys one that I think is the best thing of 1988. Really, it's, it's a short angle. But it is awesome. It starts in late '87, but the real action of it is 1988, and it is the main event 
February 1988, <laughs> Hogan Andre. I know we've talked about it a real lot, so we'll let Richard, I guess, talk about it a bit. But Hogan Andre from February of 1988, the whole angle, the whole scene. <laughs> Quinn and I reviewed this, you know, several episodes back. That whole match and the angle after it's just a sloppy, cartoony, dramatic scene with the twin referees and how much money for the plastic surgery and dollar bills falling yeah. out of his pocket. Hogan's crying promo. DiBiase looking like you said, Quinn, a butthole with the belt on <laughs> over his suit. It's way too high on his yeah. suit. Andre's like, I win the tag tape championship, DiBiase. There, it's one of the most quotable events. Oh my God. In the history of wrestling. This is no surprise. I told you I'm going to win the World Titan Championship. Mm. No, I surrender the World Titan Championship. Mm. And it did a gigantic buy rate, yeah, or a you know rating on NBC. It's the highest wrestling thing to yes. ever happen on TV. Unless I'm match on, you know, Ricky Dozen and Luth fans or whatever the hell he said. No, well, rating-wise. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Meltzer said otherwise, but I don't... Get out of here, some Japanese shit. There's no way. There isn't even that many people in Japan. I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious. I, like they, I think they had enough viewers that was more than the population of Man. certain countries. <laughs> Listen, I'm just saying it was, it was one of the best things in terms of, like, anyone could watch that and yeah. understand what was going on. You didn't need to be a wrestling fan. You could be Tony Baloney from Des Moines, <laughs> Iowa, sitting down like, oh, what's this there on the TV? And yeah. then like, oh, that big guy just wanted to think the twin guys, you know? <laughs> and you get, you're like, I want to see what happened there. And uh, I don't think people in Iowa sound like that. But Richard, what do you what do you think of this angle, the main event, 1988? I, th- I think you just covered it all. Um, <laughs> is it the most viewed wrestling match ever? Don't ask Dave Meltzer, and then well, yes. Who cares about him? <laughs> Let's put it this way: it's the most most viewed North American wrestling match. Yeah, I want to say I don't know why I didn't it get like a twenty eight or something like something that, really high. Yeah, like which is how many millions of people? I think it, it, off the top of my head, I think thirty three million that's people ridiculous. saw it. Yeah, it's a insane. lot of people yeah. for wrestling for yeah. wrestling, you yeah. know, smoky bars and all that. So, you, would you say, Richard, that it's one of the best things that they did in 88, maybe ever, but in 88, definitely. Yeah, definitely. It was it was on my list, and it, it's such a big shot. Hogan losing, he'd never lost yeah. Yeah. in his return since that was four years. Even though he didn't lose, really, it was all a scam thing. But yeah. <laughs> it's very quotable, like you say. The, how much for the plastic surgery? <laughs> all that stuff, yeah. For Hogan to lose, not only lose, but lose the title, lose the title because of a twin referee angle with Ted DiBiase looming and Jesse and Vince on commentary. It is one of the best, most satisfying things that you can watch in 1988. I gotta say, yeah, the WWF is a pretty wacky place, right? Yeah, no shit. But two referees that are twins. It's awesome. That is something <laughs> that... Uh, brilliant. That is something that we definitely hadn't seen before. Right. And, uh, blew everyone's mind (laughs) that it would and also i don't know if you boys agree but i think it's patently ridiculous that this is like the most the biggest example of hulk hogan not being able to lose clean i've ever seen like it takes like so many shenanigans for him to have that big first loss like like not even a legit count right two referees 
payoffs, (laughs) Andre the Giant involved (laughs) handing the belt off. Like, it's it's a whole contrived thing. But it's like a a comically evil, maniacal plan, you know? Right. I love it. It set the stage beautifully for WrestleMania 4 for Savage to now be the next champion. Right. Can we agree that this is going to make it? And may we put it on as number one, chaps? I agree. I agree. I'm happy with that, mate. (laughs) All right. So for number one, Hogan Andre, the main event, 1988. All right, Richie, do you want to put anything else on the table here? There's one angle I like that goes on for most of 88. It was with Ravishing Rick Rude and Jake the Snake Mm. Robert. Okay, sure. What do you like about it? Well, Rude had been doing the same thing after every match, just pulling out a random chick from the crowd. Give the rude awakening kiss to, and then this time, the woman he picked out, we didn't know, but it was Jake the Snake's wife. That's right, and Cheryl. And she refused. She had nothing, she wouldn't have anything to do with it. And then he got a little rough with mm-hmm. her. Did he twist her wrist yep. or something? Even Bobby told him to stop, which is yeah. rare. <laughs> yeah. You want to play rough, oh, Wait a minute, come you on. Play rough? Hey, somebody control him. She hit him first. And then Jake the Snake comes flying out and they have a big brawl. And then, then there's little things later in the year, like he starts putting Cheryl's face on his tights. Yep. Jake comes out and rips the tights off. That silly big sensor thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did he have underwear on? Yeah, he had a thong. <laughs> yeah. I, I just enjoy that feel from pretty memorable for me anyway. I think it is. It's a little edgy for 1988 WWF. I think it's a lot edgy. I think it's a lot edgy. I I think it's something, uh, uh, more territory that they haven't gone to. um, Taking another man's wife and trying to (laughs) kiss her, putting your hands on her. They hadn't done that. And now I understand that uh, most people kind of knew that Miss Elizabeth was Randy Savage's wife and touching her was forbidden. But this, on the other hand, was explicitly saying like this woman that is not a wrestler she's right. not in the business right right um this asshole who on top of it not only is he he's trying to take this guy's wife but every week on tv he's basically calling out the audience any <laughs> yeah. guy who has a wife <laughs> and saying like hey uh your wives they're not gonna want you anymore they're gonna want me because i'm rick rude and i have the best body ever or something one of the reasons why he's one of the greatest heels of all time because he appeals to that basic male instinct of insecurity and right. wanting to protect what you have it's just a really it's and, a and nice he touch pisses off the women because he said he he you know he comes out there and he says this is what you should like right exactly and, and, you know and you shouldn't like your husbands or boyfriends or whatever yep. like he he pisses off both genders let's he, put it that way he does he also said pennsylvania piss ants once which right. some points yeah. in my book I think it's a great feud. I think the the one black mark there, and Richard, please correct me if I'm wrong, or Quinn, is that they never had a proper blow-off to it uh, that I've seen. Anyway, I know that the WrestleMania 4 bore fest was before this feud technically started. Mm -hmm. Just coincidental timing. But, I mean, at SummerSlam, I think it was uh, Rude fought Junkyard Dog or something like that, right? And was this strictly a house show feud? Yeah, pretty much. I suppose they did have a blow-off. They had a Saturday night's main event, and then mm. after the, the set up, the Andre feud. Ugh. Ugh, yeah. Ah, boss, snake! Yeah, the whole snake thing. <laughs> Awful. It wasn't really a blow-off, I don't think. It just turned into another feud. 
But in terms of angle, it was great. I think it, it set up Rick Rude's career as one of the top heels in the company, is it, what I think it did. It did, because he went on to Warrior after that. And I think what it did for Jake is it, it was the first time since his face run that he was truly humanized. True. He was more down to earth because he'd been this kind of treacherous almost like a snake you might say yeah i'm just i just i don't want to hit the nail on the head too much but i mean (laughs) he 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 had been sort of this like people liked him because he was cool like and uh, you know threatening even when he was a heel they liked him like this is the first time he had a vulnerability this is the first heel to get under his skin and he would generally get under other people's skin get under his snake skin yeah sorry exactly Uh, (laughs) (laughs) i mean that's a great one do you quinn do you have anything you want to put on the table Yes, The Demolition. Oh, The Demolition, of course. One of the best WWF tag teams of all time. Yes, and I love when they demolish their opponents at WrestleMania 4. Oh, it's so great, isn't it? Especially yeah. after that long-ass show, and it's right before the end. Well, it's great because they, they kick those uh, girls in cars' ass. <laughs> they those idiots. <laughs> it's like, enough of this crap. Like, that's what that match feels like. Yes. It feels like enough of this crap, the match. Enough of these high-flying, high tag yeah, teams. Yeah. Like, finally, let's just get another ass-kicking tag team in there. And they like it. They kill them. Yeah, they, they kill do. Strike Force. They, it's not even, like, competitive, really. They use the cane, too, just right. for extra good measure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Demolition gets a huge pop for that win. They do. From the Atlantic City heels. cocaine crowd. Yeah. <laughs> Richard, thoughts on Demolition 88? Yeah, they, they really come into their own in 88. In 87, they just sort of meddling, getting into the gimmick and everything. Yep. And then... As soon as they win the, the belts, you see the real kick-ass team that we love for the next couple of years. Before the shitty music and crush. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. I mean, after dumping Johnny V in the sum, in the spring of uh, 87. Who they should have never had, ever. <laughs> Johnny V. Really? I know, I know. And then Fuji kind of slowly but surely took him to the top. You know, I'm, I'm being kayfabe, but it's yeah. true. I mean, they, well, I think Fuji was a good component to the team. He was because he added some credibility to it. Can't believe I'm saying that about Mr. Fuji. I don't Fuji, know why. I, I still feel like there was more legs to heal demolition more legs than kamala (laughs) yeah but i mean till till, you know till survivor series when they ended it i I always felt it was a little too early the face turn yeah i don't disagree with you i think richard brought up a good point like why would fuji turn on his tag champions for the fucking powers of pain no less well that was weird you know what always bothered me about that yeah he does it in the survivor series match right (laughs) yes why not do it in a match where the powers of pain are fighting for the title like yeah like in a title match (laughs) that's why he was a c-level manager quinn bobby heenan he picked like a horrible opportunity (laughs) like that that does nothing and what if you injure them like yeah, if you, right. and they can't defend the titles then you'll never get the belts and then when he did finally get a shot he wrestled in the match <laughs> <laughs> but overall though overall I think the rise of demolition that we all know and love that was really it started in 88 with that title win in uh, at yeah. Wrestlemania 4 87 they were kind of there but to steal a word from your fake vocabulary Quinn they were a little indescript yeah. for some of 87 and Smash had the short hair <laughs> he was still like growing it out because he was a Russian a couple yeah. months earlier He was uh, crushing some Khrushchevs. But I would say, uh, overall, I'm confident that Demolition's going to make it in. Really? I am. I think we've named a couple things. I don't know. What about you, Richard? Are you confident Demolition? Yeah. Pretty confident. It's such a big thing, I think, in 88. And then don't they have the longest reigning tag title run or something? Until New Day. Really? I don't care about New Day. (laughs) 
<laughs> new Day rocks. They're a little too new for yeah, this podcast. Very yeah. new. Very, very new for a retro podcast. Who a New Day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Who? But for, yeah, you're you're right about that. They had the longest tag reign. And again, that run started proper at WrestleMania 4, meaning the run of Demolition really being that ass-kicking team. I get why they turned them face. Maybe it was a little soon. Mm-hmm. But that if it wasn't for their run in 88, we wouldn't have had the fond memories, I think, of Demolition that we do. They were great throughout 88, throughout 89, and up to the Crush era. They were great. They yeah. were one of the best, most memorable, dare I say better sometimes than the Road Warriors. Right. One of the most iconic tag teams of all time, and it started in 88 proper. They were one of the pillars. They were. They were one of the pillars. Uh, so I would say, if Quinn, you're okay with it and Richard you're okay with it I would say we welcome them to Rushmore as number two sure yeah sure all right so for number two demolition all right so I'm gonna throw one out there and it's a little uncharacteristic of me to really vouch too much for this guy but it was a big deal it launched his career proper also I was hoping you'd go here this is the ultimate warrior yeah. defeating the honky-tonk man at SummerSlam 88 This is what made the Ultimate Warrior once and for all to be able to go on to do what he did. Richard, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Um, Honky Tonk Man, what was he, the longest? He still is the longest reigning intercontinental champion of all time. How the longer than Pat Patterson? (laughs) Every time. (laughs) Every time. (laughs) And it was such a big deal that Honky always escaped by and always escaped with the title and then he got squashed in like what, 30 seconds 30 yeah. seconds or with his stu- stupid suit still on too yeah, yeah. Get, even get out of the jumpsuit <laughs> what a moment though for the warrior huh oh for sure and then it's turned into that i, I enjoyed the feud with rick rude it led to the warrior really becoming a main player intercontinental champion long reigning intercontinental champion too like if like it was, year, right? Yeah, if it wasn't interrupted by the short Rude run, you know, primarily he was the Intercontinental Champion for that whole time until beating Hogan. You know, he just had that short interruption with the, the three months or whatever that Rick Rude had it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, to me, you know how we were talking about Demolition being a pillar? Yep. He was the second pillar. I felt, yeah. I felt from 88 on, they had like a three-prong attack, right? They had either Hogan or Savage in mm-hmm. the world title picture. Yep. They had the ultimate warrior in their intercontinental title mm-hmm. picture, and they had the demolition in the tag team picture. Three champions? Yes. Or Hogan being Hogan, you know, doesn't even need the belt most right, of the time. yeah. That could headline uh, the house show circuit. Right. I mean, honestly, the intercontinental champion warrior could do B-show headlinings. Right. Demolition was over enough, especially if they were feuding with, like, the Busters later in 89, or whoever they feuded anybody, with in 88. Really. Anyone, Anybody who Bulldogs, touched Demolition was good. Heart Foundation. Yeah. You had a really good, solid, uh, like you said, pillars is a great word for it, yeah. pillars. But Warrior came into his own after that crappy Hercules match at WrestleMania 4, <laughs> which was like nothing. But to see him now launch by beating Honky Talk Man and poor Brutus Beefcake. This time it wasn't even a boating accident fault, you know, like <laughs> parasailing. Wait, wasn't it parasailing? No, that's 90. It's just that like they didn't want to put it on him anymore. <laughs> it's real, right? Richard, he what do you... sucks. <laughs> what is? What do you know about it? Ron Bass hurt him. That's why he couldn't. Be it wrestle. <laughs> That's kayfabe. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what did really happen? That, you wanna... two are talking like I know. I don't know something. <laughs> they didn't want to put it on him. Uh, Richard, do you know anything otherwise? Yeah, that's right. I think he, he just sucked basically. 
<laughs> he wasn't going to be the new champion. <laughs> no. And he, he never did become the champion. No, he would have, but power selling. He had to go power selling with Brian Blair. Yeah. <laughs> Ruined well, his career. He would eventually be the TV champion when he was a booty man. Was he Ugh. the TV champion? I think so. Uh, maybe I'm mi- I don't misremembering think so. that. Yeah, oh, I think no, he, he won Kimberly's honor. I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, he Mark, won something. Because Mark Morrow left. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. the only reason. But I would say Warrior is a clear number three here because he was there for like a year before winning the title. Right, and he, he was, was kind of nothing. He was kind of nothing. He's barely notable yeah. throughout like his... 87 stuff and throughout even the Hercules feud like no one gave a shit it's fucking yeah. Hercules well, more anything, on him later yeah anything involving Hercules <laughs> is not yeah. gonna light the world on fire or anything but for them to make that change and write Beefcake out of that storyline that had been building and building and building and finally pay off a surprise properly like holy shit Honky Tonk Man loses to the Ultimate Warrior 30 seconds are you kidding me it was awesome and then they rode that wave for years yep they, they didn't need anything else <laughs> I would say the Things that get established in 88. I would say that a lot of that is how they rode through the golden era. Exactly. They, they had, like like I said, they had the demolition in the tag team. Mm-hmm. They had the ultimate war in the intercontinental title. They had the macho man and Hulk Hogan uh, shifting between the world title. Yeah. But I mean, even when whoever was the champion at the time, they were always fighting each other. Right. They had all the right pieces mm-hmm. and all of this stuff kind of came, it came to be in 88 that that last run the, the 80s are kind of divided into two spots, right? There's I, the, I think so. There's like the Hogan from 84 to 87, mm-hmm. kind of that era. And then the 87 to 90. And 88 establishes yeah. the rest of it. I agree with you. So with that being said, I think, you know, a lot of the stuff that happens here is important. I agree. And so you think the warrior would go on, Quinn? Without question. Richie? Yeah, I agree. Like you said, the launching pad of his career. Yeah. I'm going to have to ask you to contain your excitement. (laughs) (laughs) So for for number three, the ultimate warrior. Yeah. All right. (laughs) So so we've got uh, one spot open and we've put a few things on the table. I'll run down the table right now for you guys. What's the table? Survivor Series 10, man, which I'm going to say up. Uh, bollocks too but uh, you, you can fight it out if you want uh, the mega powers angle is the one that's a forerunner in my mind Quinn you put forth SummerSlam 88 and I Richie yep. Richie you put forth uh, Rude and Jake now so let's start with you Richard is there anything else you want to put on the table here oh boy um, put the chip buddy down for a second there and yeah. think <laughs> I was thinking about the big boss man the big bosom man but <laughs> actually that's something is it <laughs> but it's it's only really the start of his. I mean that he starts the feud with Hogan in '88 where he beats the crap out of him. Yeah, it was great. That was a pretty big house show run they had for quite a few months. MSG Garden. I mean, uh, Boston Garden. They had a cage match. They had the yeah. Saturday Night's Main Event stuff. Really good feud, actually, an unheralded right. Hogan feud. Most of it's '89 though. Bossman yeah. might, might be one of Hogan's best opponents. Bossman, I'd say, is one of Hogan's be- better opponents. Yeah. yeah, I mean, in terms of like wrestling matches, yeah, definitely, absolutely. He's as we've been saying recently, like Ray Trailer was awesome. Yeah, he was oh, really, really he, good. For sure. He doesn't get enough credit as a big man, and not in the style of like a Vader or a mm-hmm. Bam Bam Bigelow. He's not as big as either of them, but his ability as a big guy, especially when he was the big fat guy in 88, 89. Yep. Man, he was good. He was excellent. He was really good. Uh, Bossman's a good pick. Quinn, you got anything you want to put on the table? I know near the end of the year, not so great, but I am really impressed with how Andre's presented in 88. 
Sorry to hear that. No, I like it because it, he still kept at a at a level. Seven where, foot four. <laughs> he still kept at a level where he matters. It's like the last year where he matters. He beats Hogan by hook or by crook. By crook, actually, it was. Yeah. And in this case, it was by crook. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. He does beat he Hogan. He beats Hogan, and he's in the main event at SummerSlam. And he's also in the uh, the most promoted match of WrestleMania 4. Right. Which has a bullshit finish that Andre should have won because of the chair DQ thing there. I, yeah, that pisses me off, by the way. But <laughs> that being said, I think it literally is Andre's swan song. The rest of it afterwards is all just stupid. I like, agree with you. Um, like once the snake stuff begins at the end of the, the year. In the fall, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. They also have the uh, the wrestle. I'm not saying it's good, but the hustle fest uh, cage match. Right, that year is peak Andre. Without well, peak, but no, but I mean peak is as in far as far as in a draw, as far as being a draw. I mean in that era, maybe peak like mid '80s Andre era. But I, I mean, would say he had the most prominence and probably made the most money he ever made. Maybe 87 with the the Hogan match. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, that feud, the Hogan feud had legs still, no doubt. And they did stretch it through to SummerSlam. Unfortunately, like you said, they decided to go with the Jake Roberts, that heart attack snake angle. And then that led to an awful WrestleMania 5 match with Jake and Andre and John Studd. But what I'm I'm saying is uh, Andre's 88 was one of his highest of the highs for his career. You have he the right. The world, he won the world title. <laughs> you have the right to that. He opinion. won the world title. Joseph. He didn't win it cleanly. He, he, still, he didn't even know how to say world title. Well, he said tag team title, but I mean, he won it, <laughs> and he gave it away in like twenty seconds. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I'd say, I'd say it's he's great, but I don't know. I'd say the mega powers angle. He's is, one of the big factors of the year. Let's yeah, put no it pun intended, like right? He's a giant factor that year, but the mega powers angle is. is I, I mean, is yeah, going without on. question, yeah. Because uh, even it, we're naming piecemeal, like right now, right. We're, we're naming all these pieces, but it really just, it all goes into the mega powers thing. There's nothing like a great wrestling match between Hulk Hogan and Randy Savage, you know, someone right. once said, and it's true. And this was a, a slow build, like Richard said, that from WrestleMania four with Savage winning the title and Hogan's red pants in the background <laughs> there. Through the Elizabeth butt touch by Hogan and Savage yep. with the look where he's like, what's going on here? I don't really know. You know, and then the Survivor Series, there's a little tension there. Does he hug her after they win or he's something? He's always like, oh, come here, Elizabeth. Yeah. Like, Scooby-Doo or something. She's yeah. like, whoa. <laughs> so, does anybody remember on the Survivor Series? Richie? Does, does he hug her? Yeah, he does. Yeah. Okay. You yeah. said hug, right? <laughs> it oh, sounded like it, you said something else. Yeah. Hug. Does he hug her? <laughs> Because I don't like particularly love Survivor Series 88. 88. No um, one does. So I don't watch it as much. I just remember it had the imitation cover of Survivor Series 87 with the yellow box, except it's got the Mega Powers team on it. It's also got Scott Casey in one of the matches. Yeah, well. (laughs) There's problems with that event. There were some no shows. We we might get to that. (laughs) We might get to that. But guys, I think if we're going to be fair here and realistic to the year that we're covering, the Mega Powers story arc is one of the, the highlights. Yeah. For sure, yeah, for sure. I think it has to go on for the last spot. All right. So for number four, the Mega Powers. Well, to recap for Donnie, our Mount Rushmore of WWF in 1988 is Hogan Andre from the main event. Demolition, the rise of Demolition, their first tag win and their run throughout that year. The Ultimate Warrior, another one that would go on to be a pillar of the next few years. Intercontinental Champion, upset the Honky Tonk Man, 30-second squash. And the Mega Powers, not only do they form, but they have a slow 
burn that is eventually built off in 1989. Some good points made, Quinn, about how this was like a, a pillar, a foundational year for the rest of the golden era. It is. Very good point. Up to uh, 90, 91, yep. maybe. I'd say yeah. so. So that is our Mount Rushmore. Let's get right to the worst. And I know you had the pick first, Richard, but Quinn, I want to throw to you. Why don't you start? What is one of the worst things of 1988 WWF? Uh, Matilda. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. I hate that so much. Okay, let's hear why. Well, first of all, I got to see Craig DeGeorge every week <laughs> to update me on this damn dog. Hi, fans. Matilda yeah. is... Oh, that's a good Craig DeGeorge, actually. Yeah. Wow. Matilda is back with the Bulldogs. Uh, and then, you know, take it away. And Bobby Heenan. And the whole, like, involvement of Jack Tunney, where he's, like, the principal or something. It's now, like it's like a, it's like a, a high school or a, 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 even middle school. I have spoken to Bobby Heenan <laughs> and never fucking again yeah. will he be able to take it a dog from someone that rightfully owns it and has a license. And I was saying to Joe, the real way this should have ended is that they should have written Matilda off TV somehow. I'm not going to say how. I would hope it would be like she got lost and went somewhere else. She wound but, up with a nice foster family. Yeah, but just in any way to get Matilda out of there because to me, she dragged down the bulldogs like big time. She, maybe Les Thatcher could have picked her up or something, given her yeah. a nice place to live. Chris Adams, yeah, one of those somebody British somebody English. Can you take this dog? Because these guys I got wrestling to do. These guys need to go wrestle. They've been trying to regain the tag titles since like '86 or something, and they're distracted because these Islanders take their damn dog. Islanders don't know any better than they would eat the dog if yeah. they could. What if, I mean, okay, no violence against animals. Let's no, just, the like, ASPCKGBY. Yeah, exactly. So we can't have it end that way. I don't know. What do you guys think? I hate it. It sucks. Yeah. Do you remember she made a, a big comeback at WrestleMania 4 and she wouldn't perform? She wouldn't. She was supposed to run after Heenan and jump all yes. over him and rip Nothing. him to shreds. And David had to pick her up and drop her on him. Yeah, and she just like licked him a few times. Yeah, I think she, I think she just jumped on him, like she, like nudged his his elbow or something. That was this the first instance of a dog breaking cave? <laughs> Can we put this shit on? Like nothing's gonna knock the storyline off, right? It's horrible. <laughs> I mean, what do you guys think? If we can put something else on the table, but I can't think of a a more needless storyline in 1988 than this. I of course agree. It's up to you two, Richie. What mm-hmm. do you think? It was in my mind before we even started. So, <laughs> I mean, when the dog napped her, what were they supposed to have done to her? Why was she gone for months? So they had all these updates and all this shit. For, what, what was supposed to have happened? I don't know. Apparently they like didn't feed her the right food or something. What I don't get is what was the end game on the Islanders part? Like, what were they trying to get out of this? Like, they weren't the champions, so right. it wasn't a title shot. <laughs> They're just be- They're big just meanies. <laughs> like, they just steal a dog, just... Because I think so. Uh, that sounds who like who steals a dog. I don't know. Uh, I don't. I hate it. This needs to go on. Yeah. Okay, I'm just doing it for yeah. number one. As long as no one objects, the Matilda storyline. Die, die, die. The only good thing that came out of this is that uh, we know that I can do a Craig DeGeorge impression yeah. in the future. Well, also, it started the career of Craig DeGeorge <laughs> and ended the career of Craig DeGeorge. <laughs> Richard, why don't you give us a uh, give us something to put on the table here? Okay, let me just. Compose myself. Put sure, your tea sure. down, you know, yeah. have a sip maybe. Nice. Cup of tea. Okay. I don't think I need to explain in much detail, but I will. Dino Bravo. 
he's yeah. He was in a horrible tag team with Greg Valentine right before ETA, and yep, then the they new dream team. split him up, and then they put him in him and Frenchy Martin together, which was horrible. Oh, he's a, oh the painter, the painter, <laughs> and he did those USA is not okay. And, oh, did they have vignettes with that? Do you remember something about like they're in a painter studio or no, something? No, that didn't happen. Frenchy no. Martin did. No, you're making that up. No, was there? Um, oh, didn't he have like an interview segment? Maybe. Yeah. yeah, but I think that's where that started. No, it was only in like French speaking market. Oh, or something. Ah, ben là, dans la surprise, Jake the Snake Roberts, mesdames et messieurs, il y a pas besoin d'introduction. Lui, vous le connaissez. You mean to tell me that you're not a big fan of the Morocco uh, Bravo feud? <laughs> Oh, any any Bravo. I mean, he had hor- he's a horrible wrestler to start with. He's a horrible promo. He looks stupid with that silly blonde dyed hair. He's steroided up to hell. He has the worst matches, like you said, with Morocco. Didn't they have two matches? Um, yes! WrestleMania, SummerSlam. He had the horrible feud with Ken Patera for the whole <laughs> year. They had the stupid strongman things, the arm wrestling, the tug of war. I don't know if you know, in Canada, they put him in different main events, like against Macho Man and Hogan. And Oh, come on! No, no I'm way. I'm not kidding. <laughs> oh, God. I know we faced the Hawkster once, but I didn't think in Canada they were still doing that bullshit. Oh. Was he even a draw? Well, I know why. It's because he was making those cigarettes for those people. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but I do. I'm sure the Canadians were like, oh, this guy again? I mean, uh, yeah. can't we get Bret Hart in the main event or something? May I ask, oh. if you had to pick between Dino Bravo and Ken Patera, Oh, okay. Who good. would be the who would be better? Good leading there, Quinn, yeah. because my table guy, oh. perfect segue, was gonna be Ken Patera in eighty eight. Right. I forgot wait, I forgot something about Dino Bravo. You remember Royal Rumble, <laughs> that stupid bench press thing that went on for like hours? It was yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> Actually, oh, you might have just already before we even got it. to Patera, you might have just trumped him. I forgot about that. Holy shit. In 88, Patera was just sort of there, and he wasn't yeah. doing much. He was probably worse in 87 with all that stupid Bobby Heenan yeah. stuff. Where, where Bobby was right. Yeah. <laughs> Patera's just a big meanie still. Yeah. Like a big violent asshole, yeah. which is why he was in jail to begin with. Yeah, yeah him and Mr. Saito or whoever it was. Yes. They threw the thing. Threw the, they threw the rock through the Wendy's uh, or McDonald's, McDonald's or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah. They yeah. wanted their signature sauce and they couldn't get it. <laughs> but yeah, you're right about Bravo there. Okay, so you're Vince McMahon, right? And you're really screwing it to Jim Crockett because he's putting on Bunkhouse Stampede. So you're like, well, I have a USA Network. And you put on a free three-hour show, right? Mm-hmm. Perfect Sense would tell you to put on a half-hour weightlifting segment on a wrestling <laughs> show. <laughs> I mean, he isn't a draw. And no, they, but they acted like he was throughout the entire year. This was like peak Dino Bravo, I would say. Like, yeah, you know how like these other guys that we mentioned, like Warrior and Demolition and the Mega Powers, they were the start of pillars for the Golden Era. Yeah, this is a crater in the Golden yeah. Era because Bravo it doesn't go, would go away. on. Yeah, yeah, to get worse in 1991. It's, it's like he's like a bug bite on the ass of the WWE that they can't stop scratching. Like, he just keeps coming up, and he's annoying, and he's stupid, and, and I don't know, like, 
why he eats potato chips. Yeah, he say he eats potato. I don't know why they didn't just fire him. <laughs> like he's horrible. Okay, yes. He never amounted to anything, and there was no signs that he was getting better no. or anything. No. And it's it's almost like he's like a piss break or something. He is, or depending on what segment, he might be more than a pit. He might be do a crossword <laughs> puzzle and fold your laundry break. Uh, the only sign happened to be USA is not okay. That's the only sign that I saw. Or I'll put him in if you guys are okay with it. I'm okay with it. I'm very okay with it. <laughs> yeah. All right, Richard. Well, since you're so exuberant, oh. <laughs> we'll put him in for number two, Dino Bravo. Die, die, die. Well, I'm going to throw something else out there. Now that Patera has been mentioned, let me give you another one. Sure. A black mark on the commentary team of nineteen nine of nineteen eighty eight is one of the greatest talkers of all time. So it's a surprising uh, juxtaposition in talent. I'm talking about brother superstar Billy Graham. Brother, and the one thing I believe that overshines the appearance of Jesse the Body as a special guest referee is the return of Hulk Hogan, my personal friend and hero, the man I call the man with the bionic bicep. He's insufferable on commentary <laughs> on anything he is on, no matter who he is with. He's the opposite of Bobby Heenan. Because you know how, like, no matter who Bobby is with, Bobby is great right. can make something better. Like, I've heard Bobby with Dick Graham in Philly, and he makes Dick Graham sound good. I've heard Bobby with Sean Mooney live at MSJ in 91. Billy Graham drags down Gorilla Monsoon. Doesn't matter who he's with. The the worst team is Sean Mooney, Superstar Graham, and Lord Hayes. And I love Mooney and I love Lord even more. But you throw Graham into there. He's just like it's like tuna fish and peanut butter. It is awful. <sighs> Richard, thoughts? Any of those shows, those house shows, SummerSlam, the insufferable. Yes. I tried watching some of SummerSlam the other day. I made it to the just the first match, that's it. I'm really? sick of brother, brother, Gorilla Monsoon, brother, brother <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon, my man. Hulk Hogan is my hero. Hulk Hogan yes. is my idol. That's the part. Oh, I mean. Yeah. God. Because if you guys, like, I, you know Hulk Hogan is like a ripoff of Superstar Billy Graham. Why yes. is he okay with it? <laughs> like, at all. Like, shouldn't he be like, what the fuck? He stole my gimmick and he's the champion and this is bullshit. I swear once Graham was completely bald, he stopped caring about anything. I you can trace so. it to his hairline. Yeah. Once he's bald, he sucks. Karate Billy Graham, mid-80s Billy Graham, commentator Billy Graham, Donahue Billy Graham, mm -hmm. any version. Ma manager Billy Graham. Oh, yeah, and he's all, oh, I forgot about that. He's oh. also so Morocco's oh, manager. Well, he goes on commentary because remember his his arm or foot falls off his or something. Hip, his, hip, his hip, I think. Sorry, his hip. His hip. His hip, lie. his hip falls off, and then like the Jesus Christ superstar music gets like changed to Morocco. <laughs> yeah, it gets and, and, and he's like got a cane now, and like somehow he's helpful, but he really isn't. He's not helpful. And his music's helpful. That's about yeah. it. Because Morocco is crap. Other than that, by that point, <laughs> and Morocco like inherits the steroids somehow. He's not like fat anymore. Uh, I don't know. It, he does suck. You know who else I think of? And he's not going to make it because I just don't think he was there enough. Oliver Humperdinck. Fuck. He's, oh my God. But he didn't do enough, I think, to warrant Death Valley in 88. Well, let me say this about him. Yeah. I think he's like one of the worst managers ever. Oh, uh, you're right. Yes. Uh, without question. <laughs> yes. And I don't really know why he's there. Um, <laughs> other than know. like, I don't know, he performs magic tricks for Bam Bam Bigelow or something. He's Iggy Koopa, remember? He's like a magician <laughs> yeah. or something. I, I don't get it. Maybe but. it's Lemmy Koopa, one of those. Yeah, I don't know why he's there. 
I, I, who is he? Like, who is this He's guy? Oliver Humperdinck, clearly. But why is he here? What? Big Daddy Dink. So? <laughs> <laughs> they have Bam Bam Bigelow, and they're like, he needs a manager, that whole thing. They yeah, do the, like, macho man thing. Yeah, let's give him and, the worst one. And, and st- <laughs> instead of, like, picking, like, a hot chick or something, like, yeah. the macho man is the big surprise. He right. picks, like, just literally the worst thing <laughs> they could possibly find. Like, a very, like, ugly man. <laughs> Like, just horrible. Very ugly man. <laughs> he stinks! And he doesn't do anything. Right, There's I know. nothing he does. He kind of, like, plays the same role as Arnold Scully. <laughs> like he might, Not a compliment. He might as well sit in a chair in the corner like Arnie does sometimes, because he's just, I'm not even standing up for this. Drinking a whiskey. Yeah. I totally agree with you, Quinn. He's horrible. Richard, what else do you want to throw on the table while we're at it here? Well... This might be a sore subject for you, Joe, but overall, WrestleMania 4? I don't think that's a sore subject, Sa- Joe. Sadly, Quinn and I had uh, had considered this already, too, when we were doing our, you know, talking. <laughs> Listen, <sighs> I hate to do this. I hate when the things I love are actually bad, but the reason... I'm going to tell you a story, okay? Both of you. Oh, boy. And you fans at home there. And of course, let us know your best and worst, your Rushmore Death Valley. You do that on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Go to Facebook group, email us. But when I was 12 years old, I remember it was it was June of 1998, actually, before I turned 13. I rented WrestleMania for the two, di- two uh, VHS. tapes. V- yes, VHS set with a pop-up box of Hogan. And uh, I copied it onto one VHS with that horrible edit in the middle of the Hogan <laughs> Andre tape. <laughs> But I fell in love with that event at 12 years old. Now, why? I don't know why. Because I had yet to discover uh, matches and all the star ratings. And ma- I, I actually thought when I first read reviews that had asterisks, I thought it was curse words because I saw like a four star review and I thought it was like someone censoring the word shit or fuck. <laughs> I didn't know, you know, and I was like, oh, the Macho Man won four matches. Hogan's fighting Andre Demolition, the Ultimate Warrior. I know all these guys. Bret Hart's a good guy now. All this stuff, right? And then later I appreciated the event for Gorilla Monsoon, and I still do, and Jesse Ventura carrying the fans through an impossibly boring, bloated, thoughtless, overwrought, boring, did I say boring already? Boring WrestleMania. Right on the back of the head, right in the external occipital protuberance area. That'll knock you out to the middle of next week. A what? Uh, I'll I'll tell you Can you repeat that again, Gorilla? What is that? Two count, oh, he almost got him. What you said there, where he got hit. That little bump on the back of your head. Ah, okay. And if it weren't for those two, can you imagine Billy Graham on this commentary team? Or like Sean Mooney, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) This is where commentary matters. They literally saved that show from being maybe the worst piece of shit imaginable like a nightmare it's the worst pay-per-view there's only three plus the royal rumble on usa it's the worst pay-per-view that year mm-hmm. SummerSlam is the best i would say survivor series is middling. would you say it's the worst pay-per-view of the 80s no I, uh, yeah it's probably wor- it's be- is it worse than the uh, wrestling classic or whatever it's less boring it's uh the wrestling classic's not as boring it's not really good either yeah it's one of the worst pay-per-views that they had put on to that point you know yeah. what i mean it's probably worse it's definitely worse than anything in 89 all the big four in 89 are much better than WrestleMania 4. Yeah, Richard, you're right. I mean, tell us, even though we have an affinity for it, Richard, why don't you tell us what's bad about WrestleMania 4? It drags on and on. And, I mean, I know Macho Man's in four matches, and that's a nice novelty thing, but most of the matches are pretty bad. They're pretty terrible, and they're most, most of them are throwaways, right? Yeah, and the 
Trump Plaza crowd. Don't really. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. They're, what they're doing, sitting on the hands and just, I don't know. Sitting on their fanny packs. I have a soft spot a little bit for it as well, because probably when I was like a, a young lad, <laughs> I had this same double take, and it was like just something I'd put on, you know, just to leave on to go to sleep. Sure. To listen to. Yeah, that's what Quinn and I used to do also. <laughs> yeah. So like, this Battle Royal, I must have listened to millions of times because that's the first match. <laughs> Billy Martin's got to be out there somewhere. And they're like, they argue about George Steele being in the ring or yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> they, they seem bored, Gorilla and Jesse. Do you blame them? No, but they talk about like such nonsense. Like the thing that always got me was the whole like, when they're just speculating about demolitions outfits, <laughs> that's my like, favorite. I love that line, but that line's indicative of the pay per view. It's yeah. like that we've gotten to this point. That's the second from last match. They're clearly tired. They've yeah. had, like Gorilla sounds like he's bored at that point, right? Not sure those outfits are legal, Jess. Yeah, you know that whole thing. What do you mean? I've <laughs> yeah. been wearing them for months. Like I didn't that say they hadn't been wrestling <laughs> with them. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I just said I'm not sure that they're legal, Jess. I'm not sure those outfits are legal either, Jess. Oh, they've been wrestling with them for months, Gorilla. Come on. I, I, did, I didn't say they haven't been wrestling with them. I just said I don't believe they're legal. Look, as much as we don't profess or pretend to be journalists, right? Mm-hmm. And we're not always interested in accuracy. I mean, this is our vantage point, after all. I don't think we're really being 100% honest if we don't put WrestleMania 4 on right now. Yep. The only good thing is the commentary. You know, we've talked a lot about that show being boring and... And it is. Um, all sorts of things about the, its length and stuff. It's pleasant to but listen to. the booking decisions are weird, too, I always thought. I think there's a lot of problems with the way they handle Hogan being involved with True. Savage's stuff. I think there's a lot of problems with that, the logic behind why the hell Andre's disqualified. I don't like that. There's that. Um, it's I, boring, too, though. I, yeah, it's boring, <laughs> and I think there's there's also a lot of problems with, like, why not have Ricky Steamboat fight Randy Savage at some point? Like, the opportunity is clearly, like, right in front of them. Perhaps I didn't want to steal any of Savage's heat, you know, and have Steamboat he be more over. He could have just had over. a shorter match. He could have. With Steamboat and, like, you know. And then people will be saying, well, why did they give him such a short match? You know, you can't or please everyone in hindsight. Him, then they're like, oh, wow, Randy Savage, like, he, he beat the guy that beat him. Like, he yeah. finally, like, that would have been great, too, because if, had he beat him there, then he would have, like, definitively been able to be like, I'm the champion. There's nobody that's beaten me now. It would have been really cool, while we're talking about this real quick, if they could have figured out a way to do the bracketing where DiBiase beat Ricky Steamboat. That would have actually been very impressive. Instead of Greg Valentine right. eliminating Steamboat, you yeah. know, DiBiase doing it would have been really cool, giving him more credibility yeah. going into the final. There should have been a way to involve Steamboat more so in the outcome because to me he's the monkey wrench in savage's career he had um, been yes and and had somebody been able to beat him like a dibiase to go on to fight randy savage and then savage beat him right yeah it, it just adds legitimacy to that i won't argue that i will say though that uh if we're i'm starting to feel like gorilla at the end of wrestlemania 4 here talking about it yeah. i think we gotta put <laughs> wrestlemania 4 on yeah i just wanted to note that yeah that, it's fair that's note a, that's a problem thing to me which it's a part of the overall issue. Okay. Uh, Richard, any objections to putting WrestleMania 4 on? No, no objections. It's easily the worst of the major shows for most of the 80s. Not just 88, so... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Quinn, you're good with it? I'm good with it. All right, so for number three, WrestleMania 4. Die, die, die. Well, it's come down to this in my mind. Either Billy Graham, because he's insufferable doing anything that year, uh, or Ken <laughs> Patera, who is also very, very bad and Richard Simmons-y in his uh, body type there. <laughs> That's my problem with him is the whole Richard Simmons look. Hey, I want to dance with somebody. Why couldn't he be blonde again? Is there a reason? <laughs> I mean, Was that on his to. parole restrictions? Like, I don't understand. Why did they think that this was good? Maybe he didn't want to be blonde. He looks horrible. <laughs> like, he he looks unacceptable as a wrestler. Like, the yes. presentation is completely unacceptable. And it upsets me so much because I love... The old Ken Patera, like when he was the Intercontinental yeah, Champion, like and nineteen eighty. Even Patera. I like the one that's like threatening Hogan in eighty five. Mm-hmm. Like, sure. he's awesome. That that whole like, I'm an Olympian. Like, you should root for me. However, yeah. I'm an asshole. <laughs> oh, right, like Kurt Angle, but way before. Yes, Absolutely. he basically was the precursor to Kurt Angle. And I have an afro that's blonde, but, like, like which is just the biggest douchey thing you could possibly think of. You're really caught up on the hair part of this because he. Oh, it was part of his look. It was part of why he was good. Now he just looks like he, you know, Richard Simmons' hair with a diaper. He, like <laughs> he, he looks terrible. Like he's buying an electric fan down at Home Depot. <laughs> yeah. <And> then, <laughs> oh by God. the by, the time he leaves in the, I think it's what maybe like November, Richard or so. Yeah, I think Survivor Series is his last thing. Yeah. He had been losing on TV a lot around that time. Uh, Bad News Brown, a few other guys, Bravo, I think, right. and yeah. even the announcers kind of breaking kayfabe we're like oh he just doesn't look like he has his heart in that anymore he looks like he's not training like it's sad yeah like it's just a sad thing you saw what happened last week yeah now this week with Ken. maybe he should seriously consider packing it in you know always go back to the yard with a stick and pick a paper why don't you be serious okay he can make tin cups and yell at the screws this to me defines ken patera in 1988 what's that the battle royal Ken Patera, he, he just kind of like waves swings his arm, his arm like <laughs> doesn't give a shit, and yep. it's just like there he is, and he looks like an idiot. He looks terrible, and I don't know why he is here. But it's his presence in 1988, gentlemen, worse than Superstar Billy Graham, brother. I don't think it is actually. Graham's worse. I do think yeah. Graham's worse because Patera, his 87 stuff was what made him annoying. <laughs> By 88, he was just this sad mid Carter, lower sad, Carter. I don't know. He's like C.V. Hoffie or something. Like he just <laughs> he's ex- he exists. But Graham, like, like his time has passed. But Graham is just interfering with like the important things that we care about, like commentary. <laughs> like just go away. Like can you just stand next to Morocco, please? Like I I don't need you here on commentary. Richard, thoughts? Yeah, it's got to be the, the superstar. Okay, um, I do remember liking that time. Greg Hammer time beat him up. <laughs> and then they carried him out on the stretcher and these two jabronis dropped the stretcher. <laughs> have you seen that? Oh, I think funny. I have, yeah. Greg Hammer time. Yeah. Wow, that is yeah. his name on this show. It's in a, It's after SummerSlam, I think, right? Around that time where he feuds with Morocco a little bit? Yeah, just before, I think, to set up, like, they had like a house show feud <laughs> for months. But yeah, it's got to be a superstar. I think you're right. I have to echo Quinn on this. Just go away. Yeah. Stop interfering with things that matter. I bet Gorilla said after SummerSlam, I bet he told Vince, make sure I never work with this fucking guy again. <laughs> he never did. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So we're in agreement here for number four. It's superstar Billy Graham. Yeah, I guess he's the Art Donovan of 1988. <laughs> yeah. so. Put him on, brother. Put him on, brother. All yeah. right, for oh. number four. Superstar Billy Graham. Die, die, die. Well, to recap for Donnie, the Death Valley is Matilda <laughs> Dino Bravo. Oh my God, this is horrible. WrestleMania 4. Oh! And Superstar Billy Graham. That is our Mount Rushmore and Death Valley of WWF in 1988. That was sure a romp. And folks, you can romp along with us. Reach us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. Let us know your Rushmore and Death Valley. You can also go to Facebook, go to our group, our Vengepoint Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. But when we come back, in keeping with our international flavor here, with our international guest, we're going to have a very challenging international review. And that is coming up right after this. Backed by overwhelming demand, hostess potato chips, WrestleMania 4, the big one you've been waiting for. Hey, come on in, fellas. Collectible WWF stickers free inside specially marked bags of hostess chips and snacks. 35 all-new stickers, plus a chance to be an honorary WWF manager. Details at the hostess rack. Now, earlier, I asked the strike force to join me for hostess potato chips. Thanks, Gene. Yeah, we were starving. Hey, hey, the fellas compact. When you got the munchies, nothing else will do. Hey, it's Sean Mooney. I may no longer be in the event center, but if I was, I'd be talking about our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast. All right, boys, let's get to it. Hello, chops, and welcome back to our Vantage Point, the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 88, or... Two Fat Ladies. Two Fat Ladies. We're here, of course, with Richard Lynn. How you doing there, Richie? Crikey. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was about to say about this. Yeah, because we're watching... International Challenge. WWF International Challenge. Now, this is number seven or something. I I guess. I don't know know what that is. If you want to look it up on the internet there, I'm not going to tell you how to, but if you use the internet, you could probably find this. Right. Uh, (laughs) Like most of the stuff we review. And uh, from what I can best deduce, and I'll throw over to our... uh, our crikey co-host in a second there. <laughs> this is from, it looks to be the spring, like late spring, early summer, 1988. Richard, what was international challenge versus regular wrestling challenge? Okay. Well, first of all, I'm sorry. <laughs> this was your pick. <laughs> and second, from 87 to 89, they made this random show just for international markets like UK, Australia, Maybe some others, I don't know. And they just sort of threw a load of random matches together. Matches. I don't... Matches. Is that how they say it? Matches. <laughs> yes. Random is definitely the word for it, I yeah. would say. <laughs> it was weird. It, I know in the UK, it was on a silly time slot, like 2 a.m. in the morning. It's where it belongs. <laughs> I don't know who recorded all these originally and made them available, but... It's not a good show. I don't know what was the... <laughs> the they'd have been better just airing regular superstars because I don't think it was even available in the UK at that point. Or if it was, it was very limited. And this show was on, like... I guess it's the equivalent of your network. It's on ITV over here, so I think that's the equivalent of your like, NBC or something. Mm. Oh, ITV, wow, okay. wow, okay. So that's a, that was a big network. Yeah, it is a big... ITV is a big network, but at 2 a.m., who was watching? Shit, it's yeah. 2 a.m. And I think it's on like a Wednesday morning, not like a weekend. <laughs> or a... 
<laughs> so like middle of the week at, at, at like four in the morning. Oh, yeah, God. it's like. But I guess the British wrestling had sort of it was big until about this point. So maybe this was like a replacement for Big Daddy and all that. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, <laughs> really? This was like a replacement to, for the British people to get the kick out of wrestling. <laughs> so no more world of sport. No more, no more big daddy. Yeah. <laughs> and giant haystacks. <laughs> oh god. Well, let's uh, let's kick it off here. So we do get the 1980 1980s challenge theme. Yes. Which is kind of very eighties. Very eighties. Very night court esque. I would say. Yeah, yeah. I would say. You know, very like saxy, low key and, sax. Yeah, you know, yeah. boom, 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 you know, like a little little funk to it. And we're hosted by. This is great. A very new Sean Mooney and Lord <laughs> Hayes from the control room. Now Mooney. When did he join, Richie? Do you know? Yeah, it's like you said about the spring of 88, so he's very, very new. Very new, right? Yeah, because I think he debuted in May or something in the U.S. on regular TV. Coming hot off the heels of the monster factory (laughs) thing that he did or whatever. (laughs) Hello, everyone. I'm Sean Mooney along with Lord Alfred Hayes, and welcome to International Challenge. So they're in the uh, the All American Control Room that set, and uh, <laughs> keeping with the British flavor here, Mooney questions and debates with Lord Al how to say words like harass yes. and apparatus. Okay, how about uh, I'll say uh, apparatus. How about we do this, Richard? How would you say harass? Harass. How would you say apparatus? Apparatus. How would you say schedule? I would say schedule, but schedule is that how Lord Alfred said it? Was it? Yep. And- I would say schedule. Okay. And now how would you say school? I, I didn't understand this. Why? Would, what was the school? <laughs> it's just school. Unless you're JR what? and then you say school. The reason I'm going through that, folks, is that's literally what we just saw. Yeah, that's how they start the show. And <laughs> Mooney, very entertaining. Very. Yeah. Yeah. And Mooney has khakis and he's very dorky. This is like, <laughs> oh, hey, yeah, this is very Coliseum video right now. Like, I, I, I feel like they should be getting on a train or like fixing a house or going right. traveling the stars, something. Instead, they're just like half awake in the control yeah. room. Like, they look so tired. Yeah, you're large sheep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's great, Sean. Yeah, they don't even care. <laughs> so we throw to our first match here, which is Strike Force versus Rick Dancer. I don't know what his last name was. And Tony Ulysses, a notable jobber. Mike McGurk is the ring announcer. Very new at our ring announcer job, and she's very boisterous. Yes. Very, very loud. Very shouty. This yeah. is uh, taped from a Saturday Night's main event. Do you happen to know which one that was, Richard? The one just after WrestleMania 4. This was the first... Before this, they used to do Saturday night's main event, you know, on its own taping. Right. And then from here, they'd, they'd sort of do it with a superstars or a challenge, I guess, to save costs or whatever. Sure. I so- mean, they don't make any bones about it. This is clearly at Saturday night's main event, the, like, ring apron event. Yes. They don't even get rid yeah. of that thing, no, which it's- is, like, <laughs> very rare for them even. Usually they would keep the banners up but yeah. at the top. But, like, the ring apron just still says Saturday yeah. Night's Main. It's not even the blue, like, tarp. They couldn't be asked to change the banners. I don't blame them for this match. So uh, <laughs> this is this would be April of 88, then, because that was the first one, uh, late April of 1988. We got Gorilla and Bobby on commentary, like normal wrestling challenge from Thank that time. God. Yes, that saves this. Jimmy Corderas with hair is the ref. Yep. And, uh, I barely recognize him. <laughs> Sometimes I forget that that's the same person, the bald Jimmy Corderas yeah. and the non-bald Jimmy Corderas. <laughs> so Tony Ulysses and Martel dick around for a while. As Quinn, you noted the very nice ceiling in this place. Yes, very nice, like, 
like ceiling plates or something. Tiled. It's a very modern looking arena. I'm very impressed with it. And I'm not even saying that like ironically or no, anything. No. Do you know where it was or do you care? Yeah, where is it? Springfield Mass. <laughs> oh, of course it's of in course. Massachusetts. Well, Pete- Everything is in Massachusetts now that yeah. we're like in the world of Petey Winston. Petey Winston was there, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. With his cat. So Tito did- <laughs> gets in and dicks around as well for a while. Rick Dancer tags in and gets double deemed. A gorilla's like, ah, oh, double drop kick! <laughs> of course. It feels like Gorilla and Bobby really don't care they don't- at all. No, because they're talking about WrestleMania 4 from yes, like a couple they- of months ago at this point. That is over. Stop talking about it. I know. There's no reason that I should be hearing about like ah the macho man. Yeah. He did stuff. Yeah. There's four actually- matches. Historic. There is a funny moment where Gorilla tries to say that Elizabeth was a very important factor in those wins and Bobby's like, Yeah, it's because the night before she washed four pairs of his tights. <laughs> that's one of that's probably the line of the whole show. It actually. is. And then we get a very very Gorilla Monsoon-esque, will you stop? Double clothesline there. Yeah. So like that, you know, like right back into the action. Yeah. Just the night before, she washed four pairs of his tights. Will you stop? Tag made again. This match, by the way, it feels much longer than it is. And I'm saying to you, it's probably like 90. We've probably experienced like 90 seconds of <laughs> yeah, match. It just feels like, I mean, it's Tony Ulysses and Rick Prancer or whatever yeah. the guy's name is. So I, I need to also note, I don't know if you caught this, Richard, that Rick Martell has very shaggy hair in this match. Very shaggy. Very shaggy. Bangs in his face like he looks. He looks like a dog. <laughs> you know what I mean? that needs a haircut. Ulysses gets thrown off the top rope by Martel. Gorilla's like, oh, he was just saying a few words to one of our ringsiders. That's the most gorilla shit yeah. ever. <laughs> Flying Jalapeno gets the win. As Quinn, you were telling me a story about how like Manny Fernandez also used this move, but it's like proudly called yes. a flying burrito. So, I've been watching uh, more, um, you know, WCWs. The, Sorry. The, the show, yeah. not not actual WCW. That's good. Crockett promotions. Yeah. But I was watching, and there's some Manny Fernandez matches, right? And he always does, he has the same finisher as Tito, which, you know, Fly Jesse forearm. would, you know, jokingly call it the flying jalapeno or mm-hmm. burrito or whatever. Mm-hmm. Manny Fernandez, meanwhile, has the same move. Yeah, it's called the Flying Burrito, and they're, like, proud of it. Like, they're like, oh, it's so exciting, the Flying Burrito. Like, Dave Crockett's, like, flipping out. Now, didn't you say that there's a reason why you think they could realistically call it something food-related? Because this has to do with... um, if you know back in the day, like humorous when he used to do the flip off the top, yeah, they humorous. Would, they would call it the like mm-hmm. question mark or something, and like <laughs> no laughing matter, no but laughing matter. But like he was also a was riddler. Some, there was some ridiculous thing one time where like um, Mike Tenay had said, "Oh, he looks like a question mark when he's <laughs> flipping off or something," and like for whatever reason in my brain, when he would do the flying jalapeno or burrito, it's like I'm like, oh, he kind of looks like the food flying. <laughs> the stupidest thing. I've Never heard. <laughs> so let's uh, let's get out of here, boys, and go to the Maple Leaf yeah. Gardens for. Is this about Doink? <laughs> Steve Lombardi versus Jerry Allen. Which one is the jobber here? By the way, it's, they're at the same level. <laughs> Gorilla and Lord Hayes are here with us. Do you happen to know what at least month this is from? There, Richie. It's May May eighty eight again. 
Sorry to hear that. So Alan kind of looks to me, I don't know why I thought this, but he kind of looks like he's related to the Hart family, like a cousin, but he's like greasier. And Lombardi's got on these awkward purple tights. And we're supposed to care about Steve Lombardi yeah. on some level, I yeah, guess. Like, I guess. It's weird. It's really but weird. But this whole match, it's very competitive. But it I, is. I feel like rightfully so. I don't know about you, Richard, but I felt like these guys are literally on the same level, Jerry Allen and Steve Lombardi. Yeah, very much so. This this was your typical like house show opener, just two jobbers against each other. Right, right. And that would explain why it was so damn long. <laughs> very long. Yeah. Gorilla talks about how the president and the promoter of Toronto <laughs> is Jack Tunney, and then Lord is just like, "Yes, he's a good man." <laughs> <laughs> why did they just like break the fourth wall? I don't there? know. What was that? <laughs> That's so random. He's got some great matches. He's also the promoter here in Toronto. Yes, he's a very good man. <laughs> sure you're well aware of the president of the World Wrestling Federation, Jack Tunney, also the promoter here in Toronto, and uh, is able to put together this great caliber of matches. Yes, he's a good man. Personally, when I would watch this as a kid, I still don't understand what the fuck Jack Tunney's job is as the promoter. as the, In real life? Yes, what does he do? Well, you need like a local events promoter, right? So like even though Vince McMahon is the WWF promoter, yeah. president, CEO, you need people at different areas and arenas to be able to book the talent, book the arena, book the resources. Richard, any insight on that? Yeah, I, I think that's what his real job was, and he was just the, the silly on air, never fucking again president. Yeah, never fucking again. For years again. and years and years. The reason that they, uh, they stopped him from being the president is in 95, Vince took on Toronto for himself. Right. And so they didn't need Jack Tunney anymore, and that's why he wasn't the president. I guess they didn't need Jack Tunney riding around on bicycle, putting, like, the flyers out for the shows every month. Whatever. <laughs> what, the, uh, the chi- like, Chinese menus? No, just, like, a, like a paper boy. Yeah. I'm thinking of, like, he has, like, a basket in the front, and all the, and all the like, flyers are in there. I was thinking of, like, Chinese food menus. You know, Jack uh, Tunney orders egg foo old. <laughs> so, Get out of here. Lombardi kind of looks like Mr. Roper from Three's Company. How long can you stand to look at something so faded and drab? I don't know. How long have we been married? Yeah, and I ask you because I'm more familiar with the Mr. Hurley version. Furley. Furley, whatever. I'm not a big Three's Company guy, so like, I I understand that. You were explaining to me, you know, the whole Mr. Roper thing, and I, I was like, eh, whatever. They're better. The Ropers are better than Furley, but Furley is still very good. Anyway, of course, because it's a Steve Lombardi match and because Gorilla's on commentary, we have to get in a line about the Terry Garvin School of Mm Self-Defense. Never gets old. The ref is some dork. I didn't recognize him. Richard, did you? Yeah, I was going to ask you, who the hell is that ref? (laughs) I have no idea. If you don't know, then we're screwed. (laughs) I love that both of you were crazy. Gorilla didn't know. He (laughs) even said. (laughs) He did? I didn't catch that. He, He says... Who is this referee? <laughs> I've never seen him before. <laughs> he was left-handed. I caught that. It was a left-handed ref, which is uh, I've only seen in Lucha Underground with Le- Lefty. Left. Oh yeah, Lefty. Lefty Gordon or whatever. Yeah, Gordon. you're really doing good with the names today. Well, Clint. I'm close. <laughs> so Allen dominates for a bit. As I have to ask, like who? who who's Jerry Allen? Clint? He's one of those other athletic jobbers <laughs> that wins sometimes. That's the best description. I've seen him win too. I don't know. I know the name. I don't know anything about his career arc in WWF. Richard, do you have any insight on Jerry Allen? I think about 83, 84, he was a jobber, but he was Jerry O. 
Jerry O. What was your team with Barry O? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all I know. I was going to say, you know who he reminds me of a lot? Like Scott Casey and like yeah, Jim Powers and all them. Scott McGee. Yeah, yeah he's good. like He's like that. <laughs> so also because we're in Toronto and also because Gorilla's on commentary, we have to get mention of Billy Red Lions because God forbid <laughs> we don't mention Billy Red they Lions. They have to hit their Canadian quota. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'll say this too, watching this match. Lombardi is a very good bumper and he sells very well. But, like, literally, he has no moves. He doesn't do I moves. I think he gets a bad he rap. Sucks. He's in very good shape. <laughs> I mean, he's not that bad. Good condition, Vince. He's in very good condition, Vince. He doesn't have offense. He has punches. It's good enough. No, I, it's not. He does clotheslines and stuff. <laughs> Shut up. Give, give him a break. Is this about Doink? <laughs> so Lord Alfred mentioned something about a bishop and a eulogy. I don't know <laughs> what the fuck he was talking about. Uh, that shows. That that's, goes that's to show you. Bored we yeah. Are, yeah. Sunset Foot by Alan gets two, and <laughs> Lord says, I thought that was cuttings for Lombardi. <laughs> cuttings, kid. What, what the hell? <laughs> That's very uncharacteristic yeah. for an Englishman. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't think, Richard, would you ever say curtains? Not in that content. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why it's weird. The gorilla mentions how Lombardi is bulked up. That's Gorilla saying he got fat, obviously. I don't think it's fat. I think he took that's he took steroids. What's with you and like the, the I'm gonna Steve, defend him. Steve Lombardi school of self defense over here. Oh, so Lord Alfred makes an allusion to Lombardi. He says, like, oh he has some good moves, but he he'll also do some clumsy moves. Yeah. <laughs> This and match is so long, Joe. I like, know. Gorilla and Lord Alfred just don't care. No, yeah. they don't talking care. Talking about anything else. <laughs> so was Quinn. He was talking about how there might be maple syrup in the concession well, stands. Let me explain. <laughs> it's like it's so long, right? Mm-hmm. That like they have to go get their like waffles, maple syrup, <laughs> all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, go pet a moose. Be, pet a moose. Uh, talk to the mounties. I don't know. <laughs> like you got to do stuff, and that's why this match is so long. Is my point. Okay. They, 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 there's things to do before you get your Molson or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and have your poutine. Yeah, and your exactly. poutine. Yeah. The pendulum keeps swinging, by the way. Is some, so much swing. Some girl, like, just booze the match. With a, with a blatant, like, the, on the page of, like, the program with demolition, yeah. like, waving it in the we air. We don't want this. We want demolition. Yeah. Gorilla's, like, all but saying that he wants this to end, by the way. <laughs> it's no, I terrible. Think, I don't think it'll go much longer. Both guys look like they're right for the pickings your lordship you know just like the tired bored gorilla commentary yep. match is probably eight or ten minutes old both the guys right for the picking right now i think so sue play by allen followed by a dramatic atomic drop sold by lombardi beautifully backdrop gets two and you said to me quinn that cherry yeah. allen reminds you of furnace lafon yeah you know one of the lafon twins you know those guys yeah philip and furnace yeah philip and furnace lafon he he is very Lafon-esque. <laughs> yes. Alan gets the win with a very crappy crossbody block. We get a Wrigley Spearmint gum commercial. Why does gum need advertising? <laughs> like, you don't... You have only a couple of options, and they're all owned by, like, the same... Co- There's, like, two companies. It's, like, Wrigley and, <laughs> and like... some other company. Yeah, some other company. And, like, that... Like, literally, in, at least in America... I know this is an English commercial... But still, there's not many gum alternatives, and nobody really, like, thinks about it. They're like, okay, yeah, I want the, the mint one. Wait, like, you yeah. know? What are they expecting to accomplish here? Like, there's some jerk sitting at home, and he's like, wait, what is this? You yeah, like, I've never you, heard of this. You chew it, and you don't have to swallow it, right? Wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> and it's flavored like spearmint? Holy shit, I didn't know about this. I gotta go to the store and get some of this gum. Anyway, Weird. some some black and white beer commercial, Holstein pills or some shit. Is that a real beer, Richard, anymore? I think it is. It's, it's a German. It's lager. 
Not beer. <laughs> lager. Lager. It's not the lager I would drink. <laughs> what lager would, would you drink anyway? I like the Foster's. Oh, what? The Australian Foster. beer. Australian for beer. Yes. Crikey. The Australian beer. <laughs> wow. I don't mind the Budweiser either. Don't worry, we mind it. Is that a delicacy <laughs> over there in England? Uh, mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's hit and miss. Some like it, some don't. It's just miss here. So, it's Quinn, more like piss. Quinn and, I, <laughs> Quinn and I used to actually, we had a Budweiser phase about five years ago. Yeah, we were really into it for some other, I don't know why. I don't know why. Like, and then we, we were, were like, just, this isn't that good. <laughs> yeah, it's like after you drink it for a couple months, you're just like, why? Yeah. When I went to Orlando last year, all the lager was shy, basically. <laughs> it was all watered down horrible. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, a, that's Orlando for you. Is it because I went to Orlando? Yes. You're not no. in a beer <laughs> no. haven down there. <laughs> so anyway, let's go from that to Tony the Tiger wandering into a Western. Yeah, is this Lee Marshall? <laughs> no, it's not Lee Marshall yet. That was later. But Tony the Tiger literally wanders like onto the set of this a Western. Is bizarre to me because I've never seen Tony the Tiger animated like with people. Yeah, right. The like, animated Tony the Tiger wanders into a real live action Western now, film. My favorite part about this commercial is that like Tony the Tiger's animated, right? But then randomly, like there's a cowboy like old man in the corner, right? Mm-hmm. And for some reason, he's not holding a real life Frosted Flakes box. He's <laughs> yeah. holding an animated Frosted. Like, why is that neat? Like, I don't know. why? It's such a weird commercial. He's like, oh, hi, they're great. Yeah, it's just such a weird choice. Why, why, why spend the money to have the, the real life guy hold up the, you know, animated box? Would you say they spent a lot of money? Spent a lot of money. <laughs> so Tony the Tiger's wearing a cowboy hat, and like Quinn said, he just le- gives them Frosted Flakes and leaves. Yeah, there's like, <laughs> howdy partner. They're like, great, bye. Yeah. <laughs> and then we get a bizarre commercial about plumbing and a helpline for Eagle Star Insurance. Yeah, I, I said to you while I was watching this, they are so fancy in England. Like this, is, everything's classy. This office is so <laughs> avant garde. It, it's ridiculous. Like I, I, I was very blown away by it. I was like, is, is this like what office works like? Because it's not like that here. Richard, any insight onto Eagle Star Insurance? <laughs> well, as I've never worked in an office, I don't know. But maybe you... Did, didn't you guys have a plumbing issue once? Maybe you should have <laughs> yeah. run these guys. Well, we did. We actually had uh, the basement here, or should I say the studio, kept flooding. And that's right. why we were late for our Hall of Fame last year. Too bad we didn't have Eagle Star Insurance. Exactly. Yeah. We got a French that's drain it. installed. Yeah, th- now we're going French. I mean, this is really international. It's very international. Yeah. So anyway, now we come back and we're at a regular challenge taping for Goody Hercules <laughs> with Bobby Heenan. <laughs> I hate all of this. I hate all of it. <laughs> the fatter, mulleted, less in shape version of Scott Casey. Uh, Mel Phillips is there, so you could say between him and Hercules, it's feats of strength. <laughs> <laughs> Joey Morella is the ref, and most importantly, no one is announcing. What? <laughs> is this this just shows the extreme love and care that was put into these international challenges no one's announcing what the fuck am i watching these aren't hidden gems what it, richard explain yourself <laughs> they they must have just forgot to put the track in i don't know <laughs> how how do you forget that because it's just an international show they don't give two shits about it's just to fill their contracts or whatever i don't know because the editing all over this show is choppy. Yeah. So I was thinking maybe this is just a cut-up VHS tape, but now I'm starting to think this is actually how it aired. I mean, oh, we have the yeah. commercials, you know? It's presented very awkward. Richard, have you seen any other of these? Are they all, like, edited poorly? Yeah. 
the, the shite. That's all I can say. <laughs> shite. Okay. Shite. Well, shite. Okay. So anyway, Casey looks jobberific. Oh, uh, like, yeah. A total change from, you know, seven years earlier when we saw him on Southwest last week. Oh, yeah, yeah. And he, he looked there. really good. He had the same amount of hair then. Did he? Uh, yeah, I thought he had I longer say. hair now. Nah. Like mullety. Uh, oh yeah, his hair was shorter. But I'm Remember? saying he had the same. He's had the wasn't same balding. Bald. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't no, more he did bald. have the same balding yeah. on the top. Yeah, he wasn't more bald. So they tumble to the outside. Casey kicks Hertz Herc's ass for a while. Quinn, you said seeing this without commentary makes you not want to go to a live show back then. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> a horrible experience. Like, <laughs> like you don't realize until you see this without commentary, like how bad the wrestling quality had sunk to. Right by this point, and how important and, the commentary and is. Yeah, listen, that's definitely. not that's not saying that the wrestling quality was good before Hogan arrived. Because no, it wasn't. as we know, yeah, it's shit. Other than Johnny Rods, shite. So the WWF in general, the territory, I just I, there wasn't much appeal to go to these live. <laughs> no, I mean, like, <laughs> it's just like imagine sitting through this taping wherever this was. Do you happen to know, Richard? If you don't, that's quite all right. Oh, I know. Get get ready for this one. Okay, Bristol, Tennessee. Howdy. Howdy, partner. Yeah. Imagine sitting there with your fucking family for like four and a half hours. And this is what you're seeing. This is part of what you're seeing. No commentary, no excitement, just Hercules kicking fat Scott Casey's ass. Bobby gets in Mel's face just as long as he covers his feet. Hercules takes control and slows the match to a crawl with a long, and I mean long, bear hug like joey oh, morella it's so bad has to stand there and officiate this bear hug i said to you joey morella looks like he needs a chair like he needs to just put a chair next to them in the ring because they're doing this for about five minutes it's awful like i would say Ugh. about five minutes and the lack of commentary allows us to focus on the camera work and it's terrible okay no it's not terrible it's 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 a bored yeah, cameraman. okay that's fair this is what happens when you're bored and you're a cameraman and nothing is going on in the ring you zoom out. Yeah, it's zoom, real. You zoom back in real slow. Then maybe you zoom out again. Then you zoom in real fast. <laughs> You're just looking for things to do. Maybe you show some fans. <laughs> yeah. It sucks. Hercules is like <laughs> the worst wrestler ever. He's like one of the worst. Yeah. He's up there with Dino Bravo and He's all them. He's terrible in 88. He stinks. <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> well, finally, we're done hugging. And Herc puts Casey down with a clothesline and a suplex for two. <laughs> oh, fuck. But then finally, mercifully, it's over. Torture Act gets the win for Herc. And then we cut to <laughs> Bret Hart during his like jerky face turn. What is this? Versus Pete Sanchez. Uh. So this is f for you fans at home, if you're not familiar. The bottom line is, is he's still an asshole, but he's yeah. face. Right. Like he's not nice yet. He's yeah. not like the nicer Brett from like the nineties. He also doesn't have the hitman shades yet. No, he has regular aviators and he's like grumpily giving them to the ring attendant. Like yeah. he's not nice. He's still a big jerk. You know, I, they were going to push me and then they decided not to. So I decided I wouldn't have good matches until they did. Angry ref, Jack Kroger. <laughs> Kroger. Is it Richard? Jack Kroger. 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 Whatever. Cougar. Yeah. Yeah. Freddy Krueger. <laughs> He does suck. Uh, so he's the ref. Gorilla and Bobby are back, at least, thankfully. And Thank God. Quinn, you, you were um, you're questioning Mike McGurk's somewhat male tuxedo ring attire. Oh, okay, like, I, I know, like, we're used to it now, uh -huh. but she's a pretty nice-looking lady. She I, is. I never really got what the deal was with this. Is it like she's a circus conductor? <laughs> I just, I don't understand it. I mean, like, 
The, Her the, name is Mike. The women, the women <laughs> uh, ring announcers now wear a dress and that are you know some other outfit. And I they're just, all they, worse they, than Mike McGurk too. They're all worse than Mike McGurk. They are but except I Melissa Santos. I just never understood really like the purpose behind that outfit because she had multiple versions of it and it was just odd. You're right. It's like <laughs> it sucks. Because she's yeah. the second best female ring announcer ever. Would you say that? Yeah, number one is Melissa Santos. She does our intro every week, and she's a fantastic... You ever, you ever? She's definitely better than Vivian. Yeah, oh, yeah. Mike, the only thing I don't like about Mike McGurk, and I've said this before, she sounds like she's in a toilet every time she talks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, this match is short, thankfully. Brett beats the shit out of Sanchez, like, jerkily, as if he's a heel. Yeah. You wouldn't know that he's a face. He wins with a pile driver, which was his temporary finisher. This bothered me because... I don't know why. I, cause I it's just, a pile driver. I just can't... Pile driver, JR! See Brett winning... <laughs> with not a submission well you just did yeah well it sucks and the commentary though like stopped halfway through you notice that yeah (laughs) like gorilla was like oh there it is and then just nothing yeah (laughs) what is the what's going on with the commentary i guess richard's right they just don't care what a waste of time all of this is speaking of waste of time we get a ballet themed commercial for nutcracker candy yeah you can split it in two or it comes in two I don't know. Who cares? So now people can share it. <laughs> and then we get an unnecessarily dramatic fish stick commercial. <laughs> Remember that? Oh, the year was... It was like yeah. me doing the fucking intro. I like when the lady the was case. peering through the blind angle, like the blinds. Now, Richard, as a Brit, yes. are fish sticks a big commodity over there in the UK? They're not now, but I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know if they were then. But I just saw fish and chips, and so I enjoyed this. Advert. It's not a commercial. I would. It's advert. Sorry, advert. 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 We got to call them all adverts from now on. <laughs> I apologize. Here's something <laughs> I've never heard of. It's Kellogg's Raisin Splits, which is like a raisin version of a frosted mini wheat. This looks incredible, right? I, did they have this here? I don't remember. I've never this. heard of this. It's. It looks really good, actually. Highly, They're great. I highly <laughs> doubt that's still a cereal over there, Richie. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think it's frosted either. It's just plain like. Like wheat, you know. You don't need the frosting wheat. with a little raisin. Yeah, yeah you don't not. need the frosting with the raisin there. The yeah. raisins there instead of the frosting. Yeah. yeah, basically. I have no idea what the commercial after that was. It was something about like digging up dirt and then you put a thing into a hole. <laughs> what was that? It just said E T at the end. Of it. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> I don't even know. Richard, what was that? I just wrote down employment training question mark oh! question mark. Is that a common thing that uh, like I as far as like. The abbreviation is concerned there. No. Right? no, like, <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, Quinn, abbreviations are more common in England. No, but there's something. <laughs> no, no, I just mean that in some people call something like employment training, they always call it like ET. Ah. Is what I mean. Is that like a, just a phrase people say? This was the first time I'd ever heard it. So. <laughs> okay, I, so no. I don't even understand what that was. <laughs> and then in our next advert, uh, two piggy banks share a kiss for fabric softener or something. Mm-hmm. That was, uh, was wonderful. And then take Settler's Tums if you have gas because you ate a hamburger. <laughs> the ghost of the hamburger, if you recall. Like, it, it's it like comes, taunting her. It comes back to haunt you, but the Tums like is like the Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> Mooney and Hayes are back, and they said that our main event, in Mooney's terms, not mine, is next. We're back in Toronto. Get ready for this one, folks. Oh, boy. It's the Islanders, but no, 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 no. <laughs> it's not because why would we have anything good on this show? <laughs> it's not the good Islanders, and I, I'm not being sarcastic. The Islanders actually are pretty good. They're okay. Yeah, Haku and Tama. No, it's Haku and 
Chief Hoffy, which <laughs> is CP Hoffy now. So they're they're taking on the British Bulldogs, and I guess like a an offshoot of the Matilda feud. Good lord! But Hoffy now has tribal tattoos all over his legs and torso, <laughs> and I swear Haku looks like he w- wishes he was not there, wishes he was not Avi's Avi's partner. Mm-hmm. The Bulldogs, Quinn, you'll be thankful to know. They have Matilda with them. Oh, great. Wonderful. <laughs> See me offy, Joe. Yeah. His tattoo looks like he has like a permanent like pants on, but yeah. like it like stockings. Too, no, but like too high, so like he has like a permanent wedgie. Like that's yes. the impression I yeah. get. <laughs> stockings that he bought at uh, Marks and Spencer's, right, yeah. Richard? Yeah, <laughs> and the gor- <laughs> gorilla says about Matilda, "Take a look at that kisser." Take a look at that kisser. <laughs> that is a cute, cute, ugly dog. <laughs> Quinn, you had some very interesting uh, questions about the British Bulldogs. Why did they make them so shitty? Like after a certain <laughs> point, I don't understand. Couldn't they just lose her? Anything? Yeah, like, I know. <laughs> like this is a dog. It's a dog. You can make her go away. Dog. You don't need to make it violent. Yeah, it just went anything. to a farm. Yeah, it just went to a farm. <laughs> some had some tums. Yeah, I suppose because I know that Heenan still managed Haku like forever. Right. I suppose Richard, maybe you'll know. Was Bobby Heenan still managing them, and he just wanted nothing to do with this? Was he not at this show, or <laughs> did he just say fuck it because Cibiafi was there? Oh, I had a look at the card for this because this is the same match, you know, from that earlier Steve Lombardi match and. Bobby Heenan was wrestling against Coco Beware in a singles oh. match. <laughs> well, that would be why he wasn't there. But Bobby Heenan won as well, surprisingly. Good. Uh, so, Quinn, you were incredulous about this version of the Islanders. They're so intolerable. Like, <laughs> fucking Siviafi is like, he has like the Midas touch in reverse. Like, it's like the any, shittest touch. Yeah, anything he touch is, is shit. Like, it just turns to like a river of shit <laughs> it looks like you like angry video game yeah, nerd over it, there to describe this game's assness all i can say is it's very ass his pants look like shit or his tattoos i mean yes um, his pa- tattoo pants and he is shit and i i'm he stinks and i don't like him <laughs> jimmy corderas is the ref again with hair a uh, gorilla says well Avi was never considered a great thinker it's it's all it goes back to even now gorilla now that like he's finally he, now that he's a heel gorilla can finally like say what we all <laughs> were thinking all along like he sucks he stinks we don't want to see him he's not snooka so yeah, get right, out of right. here like not even tama yeah and tama this i gotta say this match here is a great commercial or advert for how good tama was with haku Seriously, it makes a difference. You would think it wouldn't. Tama, a million times better than C.V. Afi. You heard it here first. I'm surprised Gorilla uh, uh, regarding C.V. Afi didn't whip out the line. He's a walking advertisement for birth control. (laughs) Haku gets in. Haku is so much better than having to be in the shitty Islanders team right now. And you said when he has the good tights on. Yeah, he has the one from like when he's like with Andre and like Haku. The floral tights. When he's with um, Barbarian Barbarian later on. The floral like, you know, kind of colorful tights. Yeah, he's only about a month or two away from becoming king here yeah well he deserves that honor after dealing with this idiot <laughs> seriously dynamite and haku go at it for a while davy gets in with a very exciting chin lock and haku <laughs> regains control then tags an afi who does nothing of note because he's terrible Ugh. the bulldogs regain control again beat up afi for a while gorilla's like oh he's getting tattooed right now <laughs> well that's that's kind of funny that's funny another chin lock for davy by davy for like 26 minutes why does this always happen to us Joe? What, just watching shitty wrestling like 
Why? Well, in this case, we can blame Richard Land. Richard, <laughs> why does this always happen to us? I'm sorry. That's okay, man. <laughs> so now we uh, Shinlock City. <laughs> now we beat up Haku for a while. <laughs> Quinn, you had some comments about Siviafi's hair. His hair is just absolutely <laughs> atrocious. I think Ro- Roseanne <laughs> had that haircut. At some- I don't even know if I'm allowed to say Roseanne anymore. <laughs> However, his hair looks like Roseanne's hair like in season like two? season two. Yeah. <laughs> not not the. Sh- Remember when she had the short one? Yeah, first? not that. The one after yeah. that? Yes, it's that hair. Offie back in with nothing good. Nothing about CV Offie is appealing whatsoever. Do you remember how CV Offie was the, it was like the new Superfly originally? Right, yeah. Do you remember that? Do you think Vince came up to him one day and said, you know, hey, pal, I want to... It's a good Vince. Do you remember the high chief Peter Maivia and oh, all God. his tattoos? How about you get all your lower body tattooed? And we'll push you as the new high chief. It will be <laughs> the biggest thing ever. Do you think Vince made him get all these tattoos and shit? I was actually going to ask you the same yeah. question. Like, uh, do you I, think this doof like got the tattoos? Like Richard saying, like maybe just for this, this gimmick. Um, yeah, maybe because I, I he never had any, not even a tattoo before this in like '86, right or whatever. This is all, I have to say, much more exciting than the match that we're watching. Quinn, you even said at one point, like, can't the Bulldogs just win already? I don't care about anything happening. Yeah, I know. Like, they, we're past, after the Matilda angle, the Bulldogs were crap. Yep. Um, the Islanders are a dead team because CB yes. Afi. Yes. So, like, why bother yeah. with this? Afi misses a jumping, I don't know, urination or something. I don't know <laughs> what he was doing there. And Davey gets the tag. Quinn, you wanted to know, and this is a good question for you, Richard, because I don't know either. If the commentary for these Toronto shows in 88 was done in post or if they were actually there. It's in post, definitely. That's why I think they don't care. They're just sat in like <laughs> the studio in Stamford or whatever. Yeah. yeah just sitting true. for three hours watching all this shit, basically. <laughs> that explains a lot about the commentary on these on these Toronto shows, yeah, especially. Yeah. So horrible. Bad. I think they were live originally, but by, by this time they just did them in post. It's awful. Like, Gorilla does not get enough credit, in my mind, yeah. for enduring all of the commentary that he did. I can't imagine. People wonder why he, like, started saying off-the-cuff shit as time went on, you know? I can't imagine what life must have been like having to show up to Stanford, you know, probably once a week or something. Yeah. And for, like, hours upon hours watching utter shit <laughs> right. from like all across the country matches with no commentary you got to remember they have no commentary right, when exactly. they're watching it like we complain when there isn't commentary when yeah they had to watch all of the raw footage <laughs> and provide the commentary and provide the commentary <laughs> like it, jerry allen matches and shit it must have been insufferable and like i can just imagine like snacks kind of like <laughs> like what do you do like you gotta you gotta you know have maybe some good food right. and like some stuff and just talk it's like awful and I wonder if they like they said other stuff that was just cut and then they, they possible. tightened it up a little bit or something. <laughs> it's possible. Just because what like what do you do? Davey hits a power slam, but off he makes a save because this match really needs to go on longer. And then <laughs> in a very funny finish, like dynamite and uh, <laughs> and Haku collide, and then Davey just whacks off you with a clothesline for three. 
Yeah, it was awful. what a terrible finish. <laughs> right? Mooney and Lord come back and they say the Islanders did well. I don't know what match Great. they were watching yeah. there. And then Hayes is like, I'm not biased towards the Bulldogs. No, 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 no. And uh, he also says, uh, so I question Lord Hayes here, that Hercules impressed him. <laughs> what? They obviously didn't no. watch the matches. No, not at I don't, all. I, were they on commentary? Was that the one with no commentary? Yes. Though? Okay, so they weren't there to see No that one shit. was there. Well, we know that Lord Alfred has low standards if he's saying shit like that. So next week, it's the Hart Foundation versus the Killer Bees. Again? <laughs> like, that match happened 45 times at this point. <laughs> and not in 88 either, yeah, right? It was yeah. more of like an 86 match. <laughs> yep. Why are we doing that again? Aren't they both face anyway? Yeah. But the other line of the night comes from Sean Mooney, who at the very end of the show says, See you next time. See you next time. <laughs> I'm Sean Mooney for Lord Alfred Hayes. See you next time on International Challenge. And what was of show? What was that? See you the, next time. With the like copyright, logo. it's like literally the last thing you hear before like YouTube is like suggesting other shit. <laughs> it's like better shit. Yeah. <laughs> See you next time. <laughs> Horrible. Well, that was. You gotta look at it this way, Quinn. We took some adventures recently. Mm-hmm. Meaning, we we ventured out of our comfort zone a lot this season. Okay. You know. We did Central States, who no one freaking does Central States. I never even watched it until that. Who the that. hell does that? We did Southwest, surprisingly very good. Mm-hmm. Isn't it kind of ironic that the worst thing I would think that we've watched this season <laughs> is the WWF? Yes. <laughs> I would I would say that's a, that's definitely a surprise. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> oh, you're welcome. It, it is an international thing. Yeah, it's very international. Yeah. AKA shit that no one cares about. They slap onto ITV at two in the morning or yeah. four in the morning on a Wednesday in England. <laughs> Bullshit. Richard, what did you think? Oh, yeah, it was terrible. There's nothing good to say about it. Yeah. I suppose occasionally they, they do have the odd good match. 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 Not often. It, you, if you never watch the show again, you're not missing anything. <laughs> Good to know, actually, because, yeah, I don't want to ever watch one of these again. Honestly. It ain't no superstars or, or regular challenge. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's none of that. Well, I think that'll conclude another wonderful episode of our Vantage Point the Retro Wrestling Podcast, episode number 88. Or Two Fat Ladies. Thank you very much. Ladies. That's right. We want to thank you, Richard, for not only for being on the show today, but for being a longtime, and I mean that, a longtime fan of the show, someone who has constantly done his best to promote us you know in yeah. a non non invasive way yeah, with seriously people. thank you a lot uh cheerlead for us yeah uh, thank you obviously <laughs> richard for your patronage we really appreciate your uh involvement with ovp and i know our fans do as well richard land is a very respected very, wrestling contributor a very respected english gentleman a butcher um, yeah <laughs> very good butcher finest butchers one of the finest butchers <laughs> yeah <laughs> and thank you very much richard for coming on do you have any parting words before we sign off here chap no just thanks for having me on mate it's been a pleasure and i've enjoyed it a lot. Thank you very much, Richard. And fans, thank you so much for being with us. You can, of course, catch us next week for episode number 89, July 9th. That's our last one, Quinn, before episode 90, the finale. So we're getting close here. So until next time, be sure to follow us on Twitter at OVP Podcast. You can go to our Facebook group, facebook.feet or .com if you're normal. And you can search for our Vantage Point Retro Wrestling Podcast Discussion Group. Join it. We'll let you in. You can also donate at patreon.com slash OVP Podcast only if you want to. But until next time, for Richard Land, I am Joe Morata. That is Michael Quinn, and we are out of here. See ya. Cheerio. It was a day like any other. The day they had fish for tea. Everything seemed normal until...
chill. New Findus Crostinos. Delicious cod chunks covered in a crunchy coating of tasty potato chip sticks. They were a taste of the unexpected. And what happened that day would change mealtimes forever. New Findus Crostinos. The unexpected fish from Findus. See you next time.